What is going on is Obadiah, and today we are back with another episode of Music Hideout, the show where we hang out with artists, musicians, and entertainers in Wayne Jennings' old basement studio. As always, I'm gathered here today with co-host Ryan Poole, who I'll pass to to introduce the guest. Well, today on our show, and I do say today, because we're doing it during the day, this is a special makeup show. We've never done We've this We've never before. done a day show before. We've never did. Now, luckily, my studio's underground so right. it looks the same anyway so we can pretend it's the nighttime <laughs> and feel good about how much we're about to drink <laughs> but uh today on the show we have Lil j bone yeah. and j bone's a rapper based here right here in nashville and uh, uh i actually don't know that much about your history we haven't yeah. talked but that's yeah. what we're doing right now Let's so we really get to know each other Let's get it man i have two little tidbits i'm gonna mention them up front we're, we probably won't talk about them up front but just like teasers for people. Two things you told me I thought were super cool. One is you toured with Akon at one point in yes. time. Yes. Which cool. it doesn't get any bigger than Akon. And <laughs> <laughs> E40. <laughs> oh man, we need to put auto tune and post on that. That'd be crazy. Akon. <laughs> <laughs> and and then the other thing is you said you dated Quincy Jones. Sky daughter. Goddaughter, yeah, yes, Quincy yes. Jones. If you didn't know, that's being not, the biggest music producer of all time. That's not uh, uh, produced uh, all of Michael Jones. Jackson. No, not Rashida that's Jones. A, okay. <laughs> that's his daughter. That's his daughter. daughter. Yeah. His stepdaughter. Goddaughter. 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 Yeah. Like that's he was cool actually because he yeah. is a god. Hey, <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. I definitely so, will. I want to I hear about those things later. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we always like to start with, what are we drinking tonight? We are drinking Hennessy. All right? Everybody straight. knows straight. Like, no chase. Like, everybody knows, like, where we come from. Like in the neighborhood, East Nashville, to be exact. You know, we just grew up, man. Every time, like, we had a get together or a gathering or something like that, somebody always showed up with a bottle of Hennessy. So it kind of stuck, and now here we are, years later. You know, what I'm saying we was consuming it at a young age, but here we are, years later, we're yeah. still drinking it. So Dude, that's, a, that's, a, that's an expensive liquor for a young age. Yeah, I know. Like when right? I drank when I was a young yeah. age, it was like, what's the cheapest plastic <laughs> bottle thing I can get my hands on? And you for know, like eight dollars. And they had like. Uh, E&J, you know, Irk and Jerk is like a, it's like a brown cognac. It's like the cheaper uh-huh. Paul Masson, stuff like that. So, you know, so that's kind of like what a lot of people were buying. But if you're a true Hennessy drinker, you'll, you'll, you'll take one sip of that and like, nah, that's, that's, that's it's not it. That's yeah. definitely not it. So. Man, that's why I don't even know how, like, how does cognac even become like that drink? Because you don't hear about cognac at all outside of that. You Nobody thinks like, I've I know, never right? buy cognac. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, like I said, in, 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 in our neighborhood, everybody wanted to be cool. So, mm pimps or people that are cool or influential people mm. always talked about like man we drinking Hennessy so if you ain't drinking Hennessy so everybody wanted to be uh, cool so, 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 so Cognac you know what I'm saying was kind of perceived with being cool so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it formulated like that man it's uh, crazy so you grew up in East Nashville so you, you grew up with a bunch of hipsters yeah. in uh, record stores yeah I mean like <laughs> <laughs> well it's a, I think it was a little different <laughs> right right actually uh, East Nashville changed in the last seven years oh man East Nashville did a total makeover but to touch on what you were saying we kind of only had one music store and uh, for everybody that knows you know back then underground underground hip-hop nashville it's like uh new life records it was located off charlotte you know that was like the only spot that you could really get like nashville hip-hop you know saying like you or either that or out the trunk or word of mouth or something like that it was no real platform you know where you could actually get Nashville hip hop or anything like that, and today it's no, it's still no really big platform. New Life is even closed down now. So, but really back then, you know, getting coming up, 
New Life was the spot. That's where you kind of met other artists. You kind of, you'll be in there. You'll be like, hey, you end up sparking a conversation, come to find out this guy's an artist too. And mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> so mm. you kind of collab from those type of things, you know, so yeah. To a community out there. Mm-hmm. Is that still around out there now that it's like getting all changed and everything's like, kind of move away? It's, 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 it's changed. It's changed a lot because like, like, like Ryan was just hitting on they kind of did a makeover with um, East Nashville. East Nashville was kind of considered to be one of the rough parts. It was like the inner city. Mm. So um, developers came in. They developed the area. The area got a lot of value, and a lot of people out there couldn't necessarily afford to stay or was just happy to get anything they could for their homes, and they kind of moved, and they kind of, like, really transitioned East Nashville into, like, historic East Nashville. <laughs> so, huh. now, so now, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But I have a friend who... I have to be vague, but he had a property in East Nashville that yeah. was like given to him for free. Yeah, it, uh, it was like, yeah, I'll leave the details out, but it was given to him yeah. for free. Yeah. I don't know what it would have been worth, but you know, I don't know. It was like a small commercial building. Yeah, and uh, anyway, then they sold it a few years ago for like six million dollars. Oh. oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh, his property, the land. Yeah, they sold that land for like six million dollars. Oh my gosh, man! Turn into luxury did he condos. did he did he throw up? Did he go somewhere and bang his head against the wall a few times? <laughs> no, no, no. Like... My friend's the one who got the six million dollars. Oh, he got it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. He somebody sold... else might have thrown up. <laughs> I was like, man, that's ooh, yeah. that's that is amazing. Yeah, it's crazy property values out here. Because like a friend of mine I work with, he said he bought his house for ninety thousand. Yeah. Like in like 2011, and he said he yeah. just got it appraised. It's like 300 now. Yeah, we like, our family house. My parents, cause like uh, we stay in. My parents still live in East Nashville. My dad bought our home for the family house. He bought it for like 40 thousand. The other day, he got a phone call and they offered him 600 thousand for it and he was like nah he was like I'm just gonna keep letting them go up and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Right now, they get to a million he was like you'll be getting a phone call like, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so it's like seriously that's no, awesome so, I mean, those numbers don't even make sense to me <laughs> it's so as good as investing in like a miracle stock like, exactly it might have well exactly. have been Apple yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, it's better returns. <laughs> it's probably, like, East man, Nashville's the apple. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the apple, apple of the property south. Value. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. That's it's got some crazy value out there. Yeah, my whole life, I always thought, like, I, I just didn't know, know how much houses cost. Right. Because I in San Diego, I just expected, ah, I'll get a house when I'm older. Yeah. Because yeah. the cheapest yeah. house you can find, you can get yeah. like a condo for like three hundred fifty thousand in like not a great area. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like you that's right. the cheapest you can yeah. get. Houses now, I, I saw. I just saw that the uh, median house cost in San Diego is over six hundred thousand. My God, that's insane. For all these families that can afford to like send their kids to college, what you do, they should do instead is just like buy, buy them a house. But when, <laughs> exactly. but when they're a little kid, whenever they have the money, like yeah. if you're gonna put that in some college fund, no, 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 just buy them a house Let, now. Buy them a by house. By the time they're ready for college, that's it. You'll have pay for everything. All the money. Or, yeah. They'll be or a great start. Rent to it life. out. Buy them a house. Turn it into an Airbnb. Yep. Get that money <laughs> <laughs> a little. Yeah, forever. That's you know right. income. As soon as they get grown, kick them out. Like. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> but just to give, like, um, I don't know if I ever told you this though. I'm from Nashville, but my hometown is Memphis, Tennessee. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm, so okay. my family moved here when I was like maybe three or four. My family actually owned a business. We owned a business in Memphis, and my dad was just tired of. Uh, my dad, my mom, my parents are married, and uh, he was just tired of Memphis. He didn't want to raise his kids there because we know how notorious Memphis is for violence and things right. like that. So yeah. he just wanted a fresh start. So he just decided to sell his business one day, and boom, that's how we even ended up in Nashville. And wow. as far as far as music, 
it comes from my mom. My mom was a singer. She's from Missouri. My dad's from Memphis. My mom's from Missouri. Small city, Haiti. Spelled like Haiti, but it's pronounced <laughs> Haiti. It's like an hour away from Memphis. And um, music was always her love. And she was a great, my mom, like a church, in church, she blew everybody away. Singer was her thing. She wanted to be a, make a career of it. Once she started having kids, she wasn't able to. So I guess it's kind of, she passed it on to me because the music side is like, I get my musical talents. It has to be from my mom being that she was a singer. So, mm-hmm. and she, and she loves it. She's like, yo, take it to the top because she couldn't really do it. So when you have to stop your career to have your kids and then one of your kids have the same talent that you had, mm. it kind of like brings back up those memories. So she's kind of yeah. living vicarious through me with it a little bit. And it's just, you know, so it's more, it's more a sentimental thing with me too, with the music too. So mm. it's. So is that how you got started in music originally? Was yeah. it like inspiration from your mom? Inspiration. No, I'm going to tell you. Now, before we get into that, okay. I think we should do, do a song. So those oh, people, people know at home what you sound like. Know yeah, what yeah, you yeah. sound like. I'm loving it. All right. Uh, yep. <clears throat> All right. So what uh, what are you performing for us? Um, this is a record that I'm working on currently. It is called Level Up, and it's going to be feature another artist right out of Nashville. His name is he goes by the name of Dominate. And um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you guys a little sample of that record right now, man, and see what you think about that. All right. Alright. 
assuming I'm back on here. Is the uh, so when so is that what you guys are working on now? Oh yeah, man, we're actually working on this track right now. And um, like I said, man, we a- I actually just wrote this song not too long ago. And level up is just basically you know talking about when you take it to another level. It mm. means you know you start at one place. We all we, we all want to progress in life. So leveling up is talking about progressing. And that's the type of artist I am. All of my music is conceptual. I'm not one of these people that just want to get on the mic and just rap about meaningless stuff. Everything I talk about, it it means something to me. It's topics. It's um, reality-based. It's just real-life music. And I I feel like that's how I can separate myself from other artists who might use drug references or women or, you know, gun or gangs Mm -hmm. and violence and things like that. I want to separate myself and put myself in a total different category and just show people that I I make real music. It's not... Uh, hood references or anything like that. Right. It's just great music overall. So, because yeah. that's one of the biggest criticisms people have about anything in this genre is it's talking about it's, it's drugs, the, the, the girls, negative, and boats, the, and the, right. the negative aspect. Yeah, yeah so you and always just having money, yeah. pride. And, so you hmm. always have to you always have to address that. That's one thing is trying, trying to climb out the the bottom of the barrel per se in in, in hip hop music. It's what can you do to set yourself apart because of the negative connotations and everything that's on the, the mm-hmm. that's shining on the on the genre right now so mm. yeah i guess there has been oh i, I guess i can ask i can ask your opinion on Re- this real quick okay. pause Kryn, hit the space bar click on pro tools then hit the space bar then go back to obs thank you <laughs> <laughs> love it love it love it okay so so okay were you, were you about to bring up kanye no Oh, I was. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, okay. Do you wanna you wanna go out? No, Maybe. I was gonna say I yeah. was gonna ask your opinions on like the crossover that was happening with like Old Town Road or Old Town yeah. Road. Yeah, yeah, Old Town Road, Old Town Road. Yeah. Which is like when I first time I heard that song, I was like, ah, I'm not a fan. This is a whole, wait, wait, but do mine first because it goes okay. with his thing. Mine was. Maybe you could settle the dispute we had here with Brad Sativa. Okay, well, we we're got not gonna it. be able to settle. So we can't it. tell it. Your, oh we my can't gosh! Tell oh, here we go. This is just all we can say. Here is we this. go. So you're talking about doing hip hop that's a, that's more of a positive, uh, something different than just like mm-hmm. talking about the hood and violence mm-hmm. things like that. Did Kanye start that? Well, I'm gonna say no, because we had an era of hip hop called conscious rap, and this era was actually tied to the early '90s. Okay, and this was a jaunt like all right, we we we've had these debates across every platform, and I'm kind of glad I have the platform tonight to actually speak on that. Did you have this debate with Brad Sativa? It wasn't with Brad. It was not with Brad. It was not with Brad, okay? Talk like an hour this, about this was, just, yeah. this was just with hip-hop minds. People people like me, I have over 20 years' experience in this business, okay? So, I've, man, I've worked with a little bit of everybody, but one thing that does not get talked about enough is the earlier times. What what What's the difference between hip-hop and rap? Mm-hmm. Hip-hop... Is, it's more of a style. It's more of embracing and letting people know, like, it's more of an era or a, it's a feeling. Like, you know, man, I'm fresh. I'm fly. I, I want to talk about what's going on in the community. Like, you'll take, like, the negative things like mm-hmm. gang violence or police and you'll make and you'll talk about it. Man, the police are killing brothers and doing one for another. That's mm-hmm. more hip hop. That kind of transcended into gangster rap. They went to the girls, the guns, the violence. So mm. when, that's more gangster rap. Hip hopping is just you grabbing a mic and talking about being free and man, I love the life and things like that. So when we talk about the conscious music, there was a conscious era in hip hop in the early '90s with rappers like Nas and other people like that who actually talked, who who had a message. Talib Kweli, 
Nas, and uh, Black Thought from The Roots. It's so many others had started this, Outkast. Outkast had a song back in the 90s that was real big called Get Up, Get Out, and Get Something. Mm -hmm. Don't spend all your time trying to get high. You better get up, get out, and get something. Don't let the days of this life pass you by. This was early 90s, way mm -hmm. before Kanye's time. Kanye was still making beats, uh, trying to drop out of college, decide if he wanted to stay in college <laughs> or not back then. So people just have to be informed with that. This, 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 this started before Kanye. It was definitely, we can put an end to this today. It was before Kanye. Okay. So if okay. anybody ever asks, you just tell them to go back and research conscious rap. You know, the Rock Hymns, the KRS-1s. People didn't know KRS-1, his name stands for Knowledge Reigns Supreme Over Everyone. That's a hip-hop guy. Mm. He was way before Kanye. This guy's like a 45, 46, 47-year-old. I wish I knew this when we were talking to Brad. Yeah, so, this would really help my point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so definitely, the, the, the conscious era was before Kanye. But Kanye has put his stamp on it. Let's not, let's not discredit Kanye. He's mm -hmm. definitely put his stamp on it, you know, but with Gold Diggers, things like that, the, song, the type of songs that he made were, was definitely leaning toward that, but he was definitely not the pioneer of it. So, yeah. <laughs> You heard fair, it here first. It's, it's not, not the pioneer. <laughs> that's not exactly. Exactly what Brad was saying. Brad's no, he more wasn't. thing was talking about, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? He called it backpack rap. He's like, backpack. before Kanye, everybody yeah. was talking about, you know, gangs and violence. Everybody was trying to be hood. Everybody was trying to be gangster. And then Kanye, Kanye did, made like now, one backpack thing I, rap now, and all that. Kanye made it popular. Back when back when KRS-One, Nas, Outkast, and things like that was doing it, you had people that listened to it, but nobody would step out of that shadow and say, hey, I love this, this is my style. Nobody would do that. Now, I will give Kanye that. When Kanye hit the scene, his popularity did make that sound. It brought that sound to the forefront. Okay. Kanye mm -hmm. had a sound. He had a sound that was just undeniable. So that definitely brought that sound to the forefront. So we can, we can, we can give him credit there. I definitely give Kanye that there. Yeah. So... I'm not trying to not give Kanye any credit. Yeah, you, you, you're going to give Kanye a take here. Right? <laughs> My whole point was just, I think that how much people are so in love with Kanye, Right. I don't think he's actually at that level. Right. I, mean, I think, I think he, he's great. I'm not, he's, I'm not a big fan. I'm not, I'm not, I don't hate the guy or anything. Yeah. I like some songs. I don't like others. Whatever. Yeah. But like, pe I feel like people treat him like he's this god. Well, and I'm, I'm like, a, he's good. He's a good artist. You know, I'm gonna tell you. One, I don't like Kanye. So for me to say this, man, it's it's. it's <laughs> that was Brad too. It's, it's, it's <laughs> rare. Like, I don't fuck with Kanye. Hey, but it's rare. You've got to, you've got to mm -hmm. recognize. Kanye <laughs> is definitely a god. The things. <laughs> Listen, the things that the things that this man can do musically, okay? And we're just giving him credit his songwriting, his producing, his sampling ability, the ear that he has, his arrangement. It sets him a, he's almost in a he's almost created a a boat for himself like Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. And we all know Dre's a god. Sure. And Kanye has created this bubble that you cannot mention top producers without mentioning Kanye. You cannot mention top rappers without mentioning Kanye. So he's yeah. created this almost this godlike atmosphere. I mean, and it's and it's and it's undeniable, man. Like it's it's just un Kanye is definitely undeniable. He's something that we could talk for days. He's this guy because I'm telling <laughs> and you, we have. <laughs> he's a he's a rare he's a rare talent. Rarely do you get a producer that has the ability to dominate on the production. And the, the the writing, the way Kanye puts it together, like a, a total package, is kind of like when Drake took over because nobody was used to Drake singing and rapping the way that he was doing. When nobody was kind of used to Kanye mm -hmm. making these beats and rapping, people didn't know. Kanye had been telling Rockefeller Records, which he was signed to at the time, that he wanted to be an artist. They told Kanye, no, 
we want you to focus on making Jay-Z records. Because mm-hmm. at the time, Jay-Z was the big artist. Kanye used to tell them, listen, I can do this just as good as Jay can. They didn't believe in Kanye. And everybody wonders, like, what, what's driven him to become this, this asshole, per se, and it's mm-hmm. that. Nobody believed that he can do it the way that he done it. Nobody believed that this man can rap and put the beat together, so it fueled him. Now you have, like, this almost egotistical guy that said... Okay, you didn't believe me at first, and now that I'm here, I'm just going to make it hell for you as long as I'm here. Because if you look at him, doesn't he carry himself that way? He carries himself like nobody believed in me. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm making money, I don't care. I'm still just going to treat you like you never liked me. Taking a mic from Taylor Swift and doing these rash behaviors that he's known for. Mm-hmm. It's like, what what would make a, what would bring a person to that? I'm an analyst. I analyze everything, yeah, artists and sure. all of that. I analyze the culture. And Kanye, they didn't believe he can do it because he was coming behind a great. How do you follow up Jay Z? <laughs> you know, and he did it well. He did it well. Yeah. I, th- I think part of it for me, at least, is is like, no, nah, I don't, I don't know Kanye personally. Yeah, I've never right. sat down and talked with him. Right, he might be the coolest, chillest, nicest dude there he, ever was. Yeah, he might be, <laughs> but at least the image people know of him. It's crazy, like, man. Asshole. It's left field. It's who is this guy? You know. Who in the hell let him in the room? Type <laughs> feeling. It's and, like, and for me, at least, that really like, like that makes a difference for me. I, I'm like, but you don't gotta be like, because because okay, like, first it's Dr. Dre. Yes. When you hear about him, you don't hear that he's a huge asshole. That's right. You're, he's a good guy. That's right. You know but, what I mean? And and and, and I, and I you can don't tell. Have to be that. Yeah, you you don't. But you can also tell that like for Dre, Dre was Dre didn't necessarily get all of the attention and the shine that he needed with that whole NWA thing. You know, mm. they kind of got attention through saying f the police. Mm. So that kind of brings negative yeah, light on you too. But. Yeah. They wasn't those type of people. But even though for Dre, Dre represented a, um, a, a culture. He represented a coast. Dre was the sound for California. Mm-hmm. So he tend to like get... Like defined the entire... Like, you see what I'm saying? Two decades he of defined music, a, yeah. He defined the eras. But for Dre, he actually had the backing. He had people like Ice Cube, MC right. Ren, um, Easy. Um, he had all of these guys backing him. So I felt like his attitude portrayed that. You know, I have I have a little support. Maybe the industry is not giving me my support, but on the home front, my boys and everything are here. I don't think Kanye necessarily had that. Mm. So I think you have two you have guys going down two different roads. You have this Kanye who's going down, like I always say, this asshole role. And I'm <laughs> I will completely categorize him in this asshole c- guy. And you had Dre of a more humbler kind of approach because mm-hmm. people showed him a little bit more love than what mm-hmm. Kanye was getting. Yeah. And I felt like the I felt like with Kanye, when, when his mother died, that just all cars all bets is off, everything's off the table. Mm-hmm. You're gonna really see like you're gonna see my pain, you're gonna see it all. You're gonna see my whole life in front of this camera because before that, he was actually on a pretty good run. And we also have to remember Kanye was in a really bad wreck too. And he had his jaw wired and all of that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know we don't know. I tell people all the time, you don't know the psychology of anything that happens to you sure. once you are traumatized. So that guy has had it rough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't give anybody any excuses. I feel like you feel. But- <laughs> what, I, what I liked about him best when he first came out was he <clears throat> with the college dropout. I was like, yeah, I had a buddy who's like really into hip hop and he's like got me into the college dropout. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't that into hip hop. I'm, I'm still not. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even though I like working with you, by the way, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you got thank good you. energy. Thank you, man. Thank um, you. But but that being said, it's just not my first genre. But but the thing that kind of turned me off was a lot of the kind of more violent hip hop or, or just people being arrogant and being it's like, just, I got money, I got this. It's over the top. And then Kanye came out with Family Business, where he's just talking about you know his auntie and his cousins, yes. and he yes. just like was like, yes. oh, you're being a real person. I love this. And um, so I'm like, initially, what I loved about him was that he was so like. 
humble and down to earth seeming. Yeah. But maybe it's one of those things where like a lot of times like what you were saying with him and and Jay Z and people not believing in him. Yeah. A lot of times people start there, but once they like it's clear that they're successful, they're able to like fill that hole in their heart and then they switch to being like more of like a vocally humble person who's grateful for their place, but but maybe he just hasn't like gotten filled down. Out. Now, see, <laughs> maybe he just still feels insecure on some level. I'm gonna just I'll, I'll say this: the owners of these labels are the ones who control what we hear. Mm-hmm. So this hip hop is programming, and it's funny how it's programmed for the fans and the culture to hear the whack guys. It's programmed for us to hear the killers, the murderers, the Chief Keef, mm-hmm. the people like that. It's not programmed to hear common, outcasts, people like that that give a message. So mm-hmm. it gives... Now, outcasts it had, gives, a, had a moment. It gives... They, outcasts they had, had a, a massive they had moment. A, they had a, yeah. Because outcasts got so big that the programming couldn't mm-hmm. stop them. Outcasts got so high in demand that the programming couldn't stop them. So you ask a question of how can, a, how can an artist like Kanye who people see as this the backpack guy, the guy that brought in this new era, how did Kanye come through? How did he sift his way through? Because Kanye did what most people couldn't. By him having a revenue stream from production, he was mm-hmm. able to put his own money behind himself. Mm-hmm. Because the reason they wouldn't sign Kanye is for the same reasons that we're sitting here talking about now. When you said the way family business, the way he's just talking about normal everyday life, that wasn't the theme that these record labels wanted to push. I hate to say it, but they wanted to push violence. They wanted to push black. So they wanted sells. to push black on black crime. Mm-hmm. They wanted to push, um, and I hate to say it, but gay being the new theme in our community. That was mm-hmm. that's how you have the rappers now, like 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 Lil Nas X, mm-hmm. who even has a lane that can come out and say, "Hey, I'm a gay rapper," and you know, and his popularity grows because that's the message that is behind these labels. That's what they want to push. So, independent the the independent scene has really blown up lately because people are starting to see. If I really want to get heard like that, and I really have a message, if I'm Kendrick, mm-hmm. I'm Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a gangster. Kendrick Lamar is not a gangster. <laughs> He's a lyricist. Well, at the time, Kendrick wouldn't have been your number one rapper to sign because he's mm-hmm. not. He's not. He's not sending a message out for people to go kill each other. He's mm-hmm. actually telling them to stop and think about it. So hip hop is kind of one of these things that gets. It's not like rock per se. Rock, you can do any. You can rock any kind of way that you want. You can throw a show. You can throw a mosh pit. People get beat up, killed, anything like that. And it was just, hey, they were too drunk, and it yeah. was everything like, like that. They knew what they were getting into. A hip hop show happens like that, and somebody gets shot. It was a gang event, and it was just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's just the negative light that's on it. So it's going to take artists like myself and others. I don't want to sign a deal. My my thing is independent. I mm-hmm. want to take my music independent. If there's a label out there who will let me be me and be a mm-hmm. creative artist, I don't want to be a controlled artist. I would rather struggle putting my music out myself but make everything back on the back end to give people an actual good message because that's what we need in the long run. You have to look at the long run effects, long term effects of it. I was Outkast is my favorite group. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. people say, hey, Jay, you kind of remind me of um, Andre 3000, mm-hmm. you know, by my, my bars, like the way that I spit it, the way that I deliver it. It's like, but that's who I came up listening to. So it, it goes to show that the culture is giving off, is giving back in a positive way. It's just those the positive ways are not highlighted. The negative things are highlighted. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just think that until that changes, people will always view hip hop in a negative light now. Just like anything, I love rock, I love country, I love everything. Do I like every artist? No. I found the artist that I love. Like, I love Luke Bryan. He's, I love him. He's, he's dope. So, <laughs> <laughs> I 
You have to do the same thing in any form of music. But if there are not the artists that represent the culture to the fullest, then you don't get that fan base. You don't you don't get mm-hmm. to grow it because it's always seen of, well, man, when you hear, if I play a hip-hop song, somebody's getting shot up. And it shouldn't be that way. We need more artists to to, to produce these better writers. We need better writers. Better writers, better people, friendlier people, more positive people. We need the love back. We just need mm-hmm. love, man. And, and when you have it like that, we bring people like Ryan. Because Ryan told me, when, when me and Ryan started working, I love the fact that working with Ryan, I'm showing Ryan a new uh, avenue into this hip-hop. Ryan didn't know much about it. We started working together. He's like, yo, Jay, I love your sound. So now it's like, hmm. Ryan's more open to like maybe checking out a hip hop record. You like Ryan, check out this record. He'll be more in tune now because like, hey, I work with guys. I kind of seen mm-hmm. the the better side of hip hop, and it's like you know <laughs> that's we we need more examples like that. You yeah. know, we gotta have those. Without those, you can you can't grow any culture. So yeah. and it'd probably help <laughs> yeah. if there were some companies who want to put some money behind. Exactly, it. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would definitely help too. <laughs> so. This whole topic, I think, is part of like a bigger discussion, and it's kind of like one of the problems with social media. It's the problem with like news channels these days. Yeah. Yes, sir. This yes, is the same sir. problem. And so I took a I took a journalism class. Yes. Um, like when I was 14. So I'm no expert, <laughs> but like no, I yeah. always, always yeah. remember they took us through this list of what they call news values. Yes. And the news values are one of them's proximity. Did it happen close to you? Yes. Mm. One of them's violence. Yes. <laughs> you know, or yes. like, <laughs> just, I think just, violence, just, yeah. if it's not violence, it's conflict. Maybe mm. they call it conflict for that because conflict can encompass a lot of things. It could be violence. It yeah. could be angry. It yeah. could be shouting. It could be, you know, conflict. Because mm. um, people want to watch it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. Another one. Man, what would another one be? Another news value like mm. that? Man. I couldn't tell you. No. I didn't uh, take the class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, forget, I forget the rest. But conflict is probably the biggest one to highlight in the context of this conversation. Yeah. There's like seven more. But these are the things that like as a journalist you're supposed to like – look for these things in a story. Right. And and so um, conflict sells, essentially, violence being part of that. And so, like, on social media, like, what... I've, I've thought about this for a long time. Like, you just see... Ever since, like, 2008, when Facebook took off and we have a presidential election, yeah. it's like every yeah. year it's gotten worse. Yeah. In I'm terms excited of for this one. I'm excited for this presidential yeah. election. Yeah, yeah. oh, man. This, this, is gonna, this, this, one, this one's going to blow your head. It's going to be this, a show... <laughs> It already is a show. This one, right? Get your popcorn for this one. Okay? Now, I just stopped paying attention to it kind of a while ago. Yeah. Because I just realized I can't impact it that much, and it just will make you feel terrible for the oh, year man. ramping is up. Is that not like watching the news every morning? You can't impact. I don't you watch can't. the news anymore. Man, I had to stop. I had to, I had to stop. stop. It's, it's the most depressing thing to start your day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because they're, they're at the end of the day, you have to look at it and realize they're a business. And the way they make their money is by att- attracting viewers to sell ads. And, and the so hip hop community, out- the hip hop community, is no different. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is no different, and it's so like you said. There is so much bad to pick from when it comes to good. Wash out the good when this bad is so juicy. So juicy. And then you have like you know different rappers get into it. Like that's why yes. Tupac versus that's Biggie, Biggie was a big the, Yes, thing. man. Like, and so it's just like those are just something at the core of humans. It's like, like they're using they're using they use the negativity to grow the culture. But exactly. then you get all these negative reviews, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait a minute. There's a great light of this, too, but you didn't show me that. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's, like, just a money-grubbing guy at the label, you know. In general, it's just that, well, the thing is, is, like, we can paint all these organizations to be terrible people. And to an extent, I feel like if I were there, I would do something different. Maybe they don't have the morality I wish yeah. they had or whatever. Yeah. But ultimately, they're, they're a business, so they follow dollars. So it's people who are, like, 
well, what are the kids buying? Well, this gangster rap's taken off, or this, you know, this blog. Whenever we use these inflammatory words, yes. you get so many clicks. I mean, so but they, look that at just look, keeps promoting. Look at Eminem. People mm-hmm. ask, like, what is it? What was the thing that made Eminem this great rapper that everybody's like, oh, he's one of the greatest? Controversy. Eminem was so controversial that you just, it's must-see TV. Hi, kids. Mm-hmm. You want to learn how to stick nine-inch nails in your eyelids? Like, <laughs> yeah, come like on now. First album. So, yeah. you're, so you're telling me <laughs> that, that this type of music compared to the violence in, in gangster or hip-hop, it, there's, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how to stick nine-inch nails through your eyelids. Now, I get the reference. He was referencing the group Nine-Inch right, Nails, yeah. but he didn't use it in that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy well, to be intelligent. He is a lot worse than that, too. <laughs> you see yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> Way. He has a, so much more so it's like that controversy is what sells it we love the bad in it but we just don't want you to think the whole genre is bad well you can't if you do bad i'm gonna associate the bad with it so i think it was kind of built on the back of the wrong thing so like i said the positive message is there it's just hip-hop wasn't Mm. built on the back of positive messages it was built on the back of what you just what you was highlighting controversy violence because sex that's what sells Mm. exactly (laughs) yeah sex is one of the news yes yeah so So it's definitely it's definitely what you're hitting on. It's, we want to we want to get the most people to watch. What's going to draw? What's going to attract the biggest, the broadest fan base that we can get? And to me, that's the thing in our modern, in our culture, and I think all cultures of all time. Mm-hmm. You have a hard decision to make as a creator: is do you want to do what's going to get the most attention? Because yes. then you should play to people's base nature, or do you want to do what you think you want to put out into the world? to do something good and if you do you're going to forego some of the eyeballs you could have had you're it's and going you're and, risking, and you I'm a, might not have the same kind of it's a success. bigger risk because you're going to you're going to go longer it's going to take you way longer but when you hit your success peak when the success comes it's it's going to overflow for you it's kind of like mm-hmm. a it's kind of like a Bruno Mars success compared to a 50 cent success mm-hmm. 50 Cent was great when he came out with uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. He had the song in the club and it was nice, but he went 10 times platinum. But after that, based on his the, the, the catalog of his records, his fan base fell off. You take a guy like Bruno Mars that's singing great messages, is talking about positive love and giving his message back, and Bruno is seen as like this god of R&B. He's like the savior of R&B. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, like that in, in, in an aspect. You know, you, you really have to know what you're going to put out because you can get paid for anything. We know that. With social media, you can get rich quick. You can get rich now off anything. It's just how do you want to be seen? And I think a lot of these guys that we see are a small percentage mm-hmm. of the people that that really represent the culture. Like but That controversy just sticks that, in your that's brain. That's right. You mm-hmm. know, it's, and it, But those are a small percentage of the people. Mm-hmm. Who wants to throw their life away? Who wants to actually rap and say, I'm willing to die. If you come messing with me, I'll kill you and throw my life away. And that's the message right. that I want to portray. It's not many people out here who feel that way. <laughs> yeah, right. but Some people pretend they feel but that way. <laughs> it's, it's better because I love for you to say it. Mm-hmm. And I can listen to you say it. I just can't say it. Mm. See what I'm saying? And, and that's another thing that hip-hop does. Hip-hop, we love these rappers because they can say the things that we want. And and we like them for that. Lil Wayne said it. He was like, people love me because I will say what they can't say. And you, you, you're just you're sitting back like, man, Lil Wayne has his potty mouth and, and closed doors. You're like, damn, you right. <laughs> you <know what> <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's just kind of that. So it's kind of it's kind of who you ask. I really like the state of hip hop. I really think there's some good and bad. I, I, I think there's good and bad at anything. You have to have that. You know, life is, is, is positive and evil. You have good and evil. It's always it's two forces at work, always in this universe. 
there's always a good and there's always an evil, a yin and a yang. And I think that that's what really, that's the beauty of hip hop. It's like you have like this melting pot of of yin and yang mixed with you don't know who's coming next and the money and the women and the cars and jewelry and fashion and I want to be cool and and it just explodes into this self-expression of yourself that that can be seen negatively but it also can influence you to really do some great things because like I said I'm here Outkast influenced me to be a to be a MC they and what that means is MCing you take pride in your wordplay so you had to have English. You had to learn what subject and predicates and all of this stuff was to so even put these words together in ways that are so cool. So Outcast made me want to become smarter mm-hmm. because I wanted to use big words like autobiography <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like I wanted to use those type of words in my in my raps and listen to Andre 3000 and Big Boy. That was definitely an inspiration. Nas, like I was telling a lot of guys, man, really inspired me to become intelligent. They made intelligent cool. And it was like... And but I'm an older artist. I'm I'm past, I'm in my, I'm in my late thirties. So my era was the era that you got a message. I think that once the music changed, once people's attention spans got this long, mm-hmm. <laughs> that message got through out the window because it's no longer a need for the message. It's just a need to sell a record. So now I just need to catch you however I can. Maybe you like to party. Maybe you like to drink. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna play this this uh this Kendrick. Well, I'm gonna play this Kendrick Lamar record. Swimming pool full of liquor. I'm gonna dive in it and hopefully I can catch you on that. <laughs> you know, so and it's just it's programmed. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is now programmed. It's not based on, hey, let's let's give a message. I feel like if it was based on let's 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 really give this message, a rapper like J. Cole would be the greatest rapper out right now. Mm. Like let's just be honest. J. Cole is by far like one of the most lyrically dominant rappers and he's getting the least promotion. Mm. <laughs> like how is it's that? It's not clickbaity enough. Because everything's clickbait. Yeah, now. you see everything. what I'm saying? It's not clickbait. Like, even outside, like, like everything from news, what you see on everything, so, anything I'm just promoting is just And clickbait. it's also like, like you guys was touching on earlier with mm. social media. Man, this thing has become a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. Okay? And when you have guys like Drake, and I'm seeing Drake as a Raptors ambassador and everything like that, now people are running to Drake, yo, do this type of record, do this record. It's not about the message anymore. Mm. So it's, 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 it's really, music is one of those things that you now have to teach your kids what this thing is that we're listening to. Because the artists are no, we are expecting artists to raise our kids, and you're not going to get that. You're going to get a lot of kids learning how to smoke weed, Tip at strip clubs, <laughs> like that's what that's what you're gonna get if you're expecting music to raise your kids. So, <laughs> and it's just, I mean, come on now, how many presidential election rap songs have you heard? <laughs> you know, so, like let's just be honest with what it is. Only pick one. So, but that's what it is. So now you you kind of have to be a follower. I mean, you have to be a leader. You can't be a follower. You have to be a leader, man. You can't be a follower. And you have to really, you have to know what it is. Like, I love Snoop and everything like that. And smoking weed, let's, I decided to do that. It wasn't something that anybody just was like, yo, you need to smoke weed or anything like that. I wanted to try it. I did. I liked it. I was cool with it. <laughs> and, that's, and here we are. <laughs> you know, so it's one of those things. I, I feel like once you're informed about everything, then you can make a conscious decision. Don't let the culture lead you. You know, and that's what I would say when it comes to hip hop. Accept it for what it is. If a guy's talking about his chain in the car, just accept it for that that type of music. Do not base your life around thinking chains and cars are the, all you should live for. It's, it's <laughs> I promise, it's way more out here than that. What? So, and <laughs> I, I thought that was it. I like know. I thought it was it. I just <laughs> a chain, a chain in the car. The whole picture. <laughs> so I have a car. 
I just need to change. I just need to change. <laughs> We're halfway there. Like, I, you I almost gotta, made it. I got to change. I got to change. I just need a car. Yeah. <laughs> we should, we, we should, should get together. We can carpool. <laughs> you can borrow my chain. Let me borrow your car. <laughs> Isn't that what it's all about? You were trying to say a thing earlier. Was I? Yeah, I try to say a lot of things. I, know, I don't right? know what's gonna come out of my mouth when I open. Uh, it, so. I promise, man. It's, we're there now. <laughs> like, who knows? Who we're knows we're there now. We're, now <laughs> we've hit the sweet yeah. spot. Now. <laughs> okay, how'd you wind up on tour with Akon? All right, I'm ashamed to say this. But I've been around so long, I was on MySpace. Okay. I had a MySpace. Who's yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. space? Yeah. Yeah. So, MySpace, man, they used to do all of these little, they used to do these challenges and things like that. So, they had a challenge that was coming to Nashville. And um, it was actually Universal. It was IMG Universal Music Showcase. They came to Nashville and they held a competition. And it was uh, hip hop rappers, it was singers, it was a little bit of everybody. So basically, I went and I won the entire challenge. And um, after I won the challenge, they actually presented me with the, um, I was presented my first contract. And I actually refused it. I didn't even sign it. Because after reviewing the contract, Universal and IMG wasn't really trying to do anything that I could do for myself at the time. Mm. And I had an entertainment lawyer. I tell him I was educated. Going back to what you were saying, the representation, how you want to put yourself out here. A lot of people sign their life away for nothing. I refused to do it. So my success was kind of hindered. They pushed my success to the back burner. So I get a phone call one day saying, hey, um, everything didn't work out with the um, with the contract. How would you like to go on tour with Akon? And I was like, sure, send me the details. So they shot me the contract. I looked over everything. I was standing to make about Not 40. Was it like... Sure, send me the details. And you hang up the phone, you're like, fuck yeah! Exactly. It was like, it was one of those moments like, I'll I, have my people look at that. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> think about you, know, it. you know, you play it cool on the phone. You're like, yeah, I'll think about it. I have a lot on the table right now. Yeah, <laughs> and you hang up. Like, squeeze it in. You hang up and hit like three backflips instantly. <laughs> so we look over it, man, and it, and it looks good. I'm standing to make about 45 grand, 50,000 off of this. And it's just an opening act. So. I actually got in good with the uh, the tour management and decided that one of the tour managers wanted me to actually come along with him to set up the actual tour before we even went out to tour. So I was like, yo, what do I need to do? They was like, yo, you got to move to Atlanta and we need you here like next week. So I hang up, I go back to work and tell my boss, F you. Like, <laughs> I'm gone. Like, um, and uh, actually pretty boy George drove me, him and, him and one of my other partners, they drove me to Atlanta. So they drop me off. I'm staying with the tour manager. His name is Hollywood. And I'm just thinking, like, man, it's crazy. Like, I'm living my dreams. So from that day, we bounce around pretty much city to state. We go anywhere you can think, man. I was in almost, I was almost in all 50 states. I've mm. been to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Man, I've been to Texas, Flagstaff, Arizona, Iowa. <laughs> man, I've, I've been everywhere. So as we went around... We set the. Um, it took us about a. It took us probably about a month to set everything up. So we got everything set up. We come back to Atlanta. Now I meet Akon. Akon pulls up in like a yellow Lamborghini with the doors up. His brothers with him. Like these guys have on the chains. It's like uh... <laughs> it's him. <laughs> we go out to a bar. We drink. Everybody's kicking it, and he tell us about his artist. He had an artist named Quest at the time, and actually he had a popular song called Top 8 
And if, if you remember MySpace, you had a yeah, top eight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and um, it was like your top eight friends. So it was this popular MySpace song. It was called Top Eight. Come on, baby, you can kick it. I'm going to put you on my top eight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's the song that is really, that's the tour was for Quest. We were just opening acts, opening up for Quest. So we meet him. Everything is going good. So boom, everything is set in stone. So now I pretty much live with the tour manager. His name is Hollywood. Like, I'm crashing at his house. Like, mm. I'm straight from Nashville to Atlanta to this man's couch. Name's Hollyhood? His name was Hollyhood. Like, is that a real name? That was his stage name. Okay, I was, you know like, I was like, like, that's, that's a real name, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It goes by Hollyhood. You know, everybody knows him. This guy's like a real, he's a real popular dude. Everything is good. Everything is good. So, we leave. First stop we make. First tour. It's Baltimore, Maryland. Now, and it's funny how all of this ties in. I told you I was dating Quincy Jones' goddaughter. But I met her on MySpace, too, just promoting music and doing things like that. She hit man, me up. MySpace has been good to you. Yeah, man. She, <laughs> she hit me up, and she was like, you know, I could really help your career. We need to we need to talk. Let's um let, let's talk. So we started networking. I started shooting her songs. She started letting people hear it in the Baltimore area. They was feeling my sound. And um, we decided that I was going to link up with her at some point. Well, it just so happens I get this opportunity to go on tour and everything like that. And one of the first tour dates is Baltimore, Maryland. She's from Baltimore, Maryland. So mm. everybody's arranging hotels and accommodations and stuff, and I didn't have to. I was like, oh, I already got people in Baltimore. So we link up, touchdown in Baltimore. She picked me up from the airport. She take me to um, she take me to the house. We're just talking and stuff. She get a phone call. It's Quincy Jones. And he was just asking her, like, you know, how's everything going, blah, blah, blah. So she he put him on speaker. I talked to him, let him know who I am, little things like that. And he tell me, like, good luck. I got a book that I want you to read and all of this. So he ends up, I ends up getting an autographed book from him, Q on producing. He ended up autographing oh, I have it. that book on the other you know side of saying? that wall. <laughs> yeah, and I have an autographed copy of that book. Nice. You know, so... And um, can so we, we get yours over here later, and I can like stencil? <laughs> yeah, man, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, definitely. So the tour kicks off. Everything is good. You know, the first show happened in Baltimore. I didn't even perform at the Baltimore show. My number didn't get called, but I still got paid for that show. The first show I performed at was Washington D.C. I opened up for Quest performed that night, but I got to open for Lady Gaga and Wale. And this is back when they were doing their thing kind of mm. together. And um, Lady Gaga, Wale, they had the live band and everything like that. So it was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. So we got paid. You know, we, we was basically getting paid show for show, everything like that. But we wasn't getting all of the money that we were getting. We were going to get the rest of the money when we got to Los Angeles, where Quest's main performances was kicking off. Uh -huh. So Quest was doing more like meet and greets, things like that. He wasn't even performing at the first couple of dates. It was more like big artists. They had just put this whole uh convict music thing together to where he collabed with other artists and they was piggybacking off everybody. They was pulling fans from Wale, um, uh, um, Key One, the St. Lunatics was big, Nelly Nen was big back then and everybody like that. So I'm just meeting all these people all these different places. So I'm spending money. I'm pretty much learning tour life. Out on that road, man, it's pretty much just you and a check. They don't, they don't tell you anything about taxes. They don't tell you nothing about nothing. They right. just cut you a check and everything is up to you. Well, I didn't have any clothes, so every city we get to, I'm literally spending cash like Hey, um, we get to a new city, I got to buy new clothes. We leave the city and get somewhere else, I got to buy new clothes. I got to buy everything. Mm -hmm. So probably in about 28 cities, we end up in Los Angeles where Quest's main tour dates was going to kick off. And you got like four duffel bags at this point of clothes. Right, <laughs> right. And then everything bombed. Oh, what happened? Hollywood gets a call. I don't know what happened. Adidas is sponsoring the tour. They pull out. 
Adidas was the biggest sponsor. They was like um, three, three, three fourths of the entire budget for the tour. Adidas was sponsoring. When Adidas pulled out on us, that stopped every money. Everybody was cut off. So me, along with about eighteen other acts, was stranded in California. Oh. Wow. And like I told you guys, I had been spending money every day, every day, mm-hmm. banking on my big check when I got to Los Angeles. They owed me probably about 20 grand. You know, so when I got there, I had made about 20 and I was using all of that because I was still sending money back home to pay my bills, mm-hmm. everything like that. And I'm just on the road every night, not just really learning yeah. my way. So it's easy to spend a lot of money on the road. You can you're go, you're you eating can, out all you, the time. You can go through it just like that. So mm-hmm. I get to Cali, I probably got about 500 bucks in my pocket. Ooh. Just so happened, I had a friend that was going to meet me in L.A. That was already set before I even left Nashville. He was he was going to come on tour when we got to L.A. So I get to L.A., he fly in. He don't know anything that's been going on, so he's thinking everything is okay, da-da-da-da-da. He gets to L.A., everything is not okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually with the uh, hotel manager. He's not telling us anything, and it's like our communication. I mean, my um, the, um the I'm sorry, not hotel manager, my um tour manager, Hollywood, that I was telling you guys about. Our communication fell off at some point on the tour to where he stopped telling me what was going on because he needed me to pay for a lot. So he'll be like, hey, I need you to book our flights and stuff to get from Chicago to L.A. And I'm like, cool, because like I told you guys, I'm thinking I'm going to get my stipend when I get to mm-hmm. Los Angeles. I don't care what I spend. I'm gonna get this. All I'm thinking of is 20 grand cash when I get to L.A., 20 grand mm-hmm. cash when I get to L.A. Somehow I give him the money to book our flights. That falls through. So I just lost this money, and then we end up taking a train from Chicago to get to L.A. It was like a three-day train ride, okay? We get to L.A., they lose my bag. (laughs) Oh, no. I promise you guys, like, man, Uh I went through it on the road. I get to L.A., they lose my bag, and I'm like, what in the hell am I going to do? It had everything that I had. Luckily, my friend was flying in L.A. from Nashville. He helped me out. He kind of put us up for about a week. This girl that I had met from Baltimore, Quincy Jones's goddaughter, she's sending me money, you know what I'm saying, to help me stay afloat while I'm in Cali. I end up meeting, but it was funny because I'm going through all of this, but at the same time, I'm meeting so many people. Like, I was, I met um, Cedric the Entertainers, one of the guys that really helped him get started. His name was Chris Flores. He, um, he, he, he was really helping us. I met P. Diddy. I was in Cali when P. Diddy received his star on the uh, Walk That's of cool. Fame and stuff like that. We got invited to his party, and um, somehow we pulled that off to get outfits and stuff. We was hustling, man. Like, we was really out there. <laughs> so we run out of money, okay? Adidas is gone. The tour is, the tour, they canceled the rest of the tour. Quest has already flew back. Akon is gone. I don't have anybody's contact number except for Hollywood, mm. okay? So I'm on the phone. I'm calling all my people. I'm trying to scrounge up money, this and that. And I get a call from the girl that I'm dating in Baltimore. And she say, look, I need you to pretty much just come on back to Baltimore. Like, you can't. You can't stay out there. Like, it's, it's bad for you because I'm going through it, man. It's like we're thinking about, like, we're looking at Skid Row. I actually, Skid Row, if you've ever been to Cali, and I'm pretty sure you're from San Diego, so yeah. you know about Skid Row. It was horrible, but I was I was about a step away from being on Skid Row. Mm. She sent me a one-way ticket from L.A. to Baltimore. Four-hour flight, nonstop. I ended up leaving. I had to leave my guy. We finished, It's like every man for himself. I left Hollywood. I left my guy. It was a breach of contract. I didn't have any lawyer of money to pay a lawyer to to prosecute it or do anything like that. So I basically took everything that I had, flew from L.A. to Baltimore, and started the whole thing all over again. Now, I went from being an artist on the verge of making 50 grand to an artist going back home working a regular nine to five just to get enough money to come back to Nashville. 
So, and that's what happened. I went to Baltimore. I got a regular job. I, I saved up. I worked for about three or four weeks and um, took all my money. And it, it, it was, it, it hit me so hard that me and her fell out. We fell out because she wanted, she wanted the full boyfriend relationship thing. I'm an artist trying to make it. The tour just got, this was my very first major tour. It gets canceled. I lost all my money. So like I'm down in the dumps. So we end up breaking up. I leave her and come back home to Nashville and start all over. I got back home and I started my own brand. It's called Primate Incorporated, my own label and things like that. And just from that day, I've been more on the independent side, but now I'm armed with so much knowledge of the business and so much experience that like I really know how to move now. So I team up with George, I get back and we start working and we just been steamrolling ever since, man. And and, and here we are. So that it, it was it was a it was a it was the most exciting and it was exciting and it was sad. The most exciting and saddest time of my life at the exact same time. I was literally having great feelings and then I was on my highest and my lowest. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right at the same time. So it was it was really tough. And I felt like that's what made me. That's what made me start my brand primate. Because I was listening to a Lil Wayne song while all this was happening. I'm out in Cali. Oh, by the way, I did hit the dispensary out there, and I got some really good shit. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I'm sitting in the hotel, I'm smoking. It's one of my last few days there. I said, fuck it, let me go to the beach. So I go down to the beach, and I'm just watching the ocean and shit, and I'm listening to this Lil Wayne song, and this lion catches me, and he says something like, in the concrete jungle, man, I'm a primate. And it was just, and it just, that line just kept playing over and over in my head. And I just really take, like, inventory of where I've come. I'm sitting at this, oh, it's like a beautiful day. The, uh, the sky is like this bright red. It's getting ready to set. And I'm watching the water. Um, I forgot what beach I was at, man, but I'm in L.A. Because we mm -hmm. stayed in L.A. And it was a beach out there. I forgot the name of it. But I'm just Maybe sitting Santa there. Monica. There's a bunch of them. It might have been Santa Monica. But I'm just sitting there, man, and I'm just watching the ocean. And I just do an inventory of like, man, I left Nashville. I moved to Atlanta. I've been gone from home for two years. I've never stopped. I've never given up. I'm a survivor. So I started Primate as... It's for survivors. Mm -hmm. Anybody can consider themselves a primate if you've ever been through any situation and you survived it and you didn't give up. I had so many chances to give up. And actually, I know a lot of people that that would have just broke them. Like, yo, who blows 50 grand? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm cool tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, so that was the moment that let me know that I could make it in the business. And primate is, is, is a testament of all of that. I don't really think that I would have ever created Primate had it not been for all of those situations and stuff like that. So it was it was a really good time for me, man. It's what I, I tell everybody, that's the time that made me. That's mm -hmm. what made me. You know, my early experience like that, mm -hmm. it definitely made me. And like I said, it was a lot of things that I didn't tell you guys that was in there. Like I actually mm -hmm. went to an event with Quincy Jones up in New York. I actually almost got signed to another managing um agency in New York. It was called Street Syndicate. They wanted to sign me. Another company, Venus 511. They was from um Philadelphia. They wanted to sign me. But it was just it never really worked out. And I'm I'm so intelligent and I'm so smart that I never just wanted to uh, sign my life away so I had a lot of times that I felt like if maybe if I would have just took the deal it probably would have been like a few bad situations but who knows I could have been rubbing shoulders with stars I just wasn't really willing mm -hmm. to sell myself short like that I was waiting I told I'm always going to wait for my moment so my message to artists is is always wait for your moment don't ever sell yourself short because you can get a little success now like who knows you guys probably would have heard my name 2006 2007 
You know, but it wasn't but about... But then by like 2009, never heard of you again. Right, you see <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, but it wasn't about that for me. It was like you like you talked about, what are, what, are you, what are you stand for? I wanted to put out a representation of myself that I was going to be proud of, and these these deals didn't allow you to do that back then. They was You were literally signing away everything, and you were on these labels like a couple of albums. They, they get 100% of all royalties, your masters, everything, and the deal is for three to five albums. Damn. And it's like... Only thing they're giving you is maybe a hundred thousand upfront, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not enough for me to do anything with. People don't realize that when you sign a label deal, you get a budget, but before you make one dime, they have to recoup that budget. Mm-hmm. So if they give you three hundred, four hundred thousand million dollar budget, and you go blow it on a Lil Wayne feature, and your song don't do that good, <laughs> <laughs> you're in. You're still into the label for a million dollars. So before you make a dime, they're gonna recoup their million. And it was like, is that is that is that do I want to sign that deal when I've only they only gave me a hundred thousand up front? I'm mm-hmm. giving you mass. I'm putting my life into all of these songs I'm writing for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like, nah, <laughs> like that is I don't see the value in that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money, but it thousand uh, dollars does not go very I'm far. I'm telling you. And by the way, I, w- I had just saw firsthand making money how how fast money goes, and I'm like a hundred thousand. Well, should I just blew twenty in two weeks? Damn near. So so you know, it just it, for me it was always it was the experience. I've, I've gotten so much experience just this after this after this after this to the point now I could really give artists consulting. Like I can consult you. I could tell you what you need to do as far as how to get there and now I'm putting it together for me in my own with my own dollars and it's just mm. it takes a long time man like Quincy told me he was like give yourself 20 years give, a lot of years give yourself 20 years until to, to say that you've mastered the business mm. because being a musician transitioning to a businessman involves mastery First, you have to master your craft. So that means I have to be able to make a song that's so dynamic that it catches you guys' attention that can potentially go number one on Billboard and everything. Mm. It means you mastered your craft. Right. Then, You're competing with that's right. so many people. That's right. Then you have to master the business side when it comes to contractual obligations and everything like that. So he said, give yourself 20 years because that's about how long it takes to really become a mogul, a master of what you do. And it's about 10 per, you know what I'm saying, for writing, 10 for, you know, send the um the mm-hmm. business side of it. And it's and it's been about that long. We're probably we're, we're over the 20 year mark and I'm now starting to see real results like because we're actually moving the right way now. One thing about being independent, it allows you to do anything that you need to do, but doing that shows you what you actually need to do mm-hmm. because labels give you one direction. You're going to do this no matter what. But being independent, you can try anything and you actually see what works better than somebody telling you, this will work if you just do this. Well, mm. What if it doesn't? Well, I have something else for you. Like, So it's, <laughs> it takes your brain off your shoulders. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and, and, and that's the part that was handicapping me. I can, I'm a thinker. So not allowing me to do that is not allowing me to be the most creative that I can be as an artist. And that's the biggest part of any artist that I know, being creative. If you're a writer... And I tell you, you can't write. I'll write everything for you. How how good are you gonna feel about singing my records? <laughs> yeah. But you can, and you know, you're a kick-ass writer yourself. You yeah. like you like Prince, you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> and then I come give you like a Drake record <laughs> compared to like this Prince record. You like, wait a minute. You'll probably sing it for the money, sure. but that's not a that's not a real representation of you. So how long will you do that before you just be like, you know what, F it. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. I'm gonna do this thing myself. So. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of how it went, man. Depends how good the money is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll do it for a while if the money's good enough. 
Now, did you did you get to have much time with Akon, or is he kind of like sequestered off on his own? Akon, man, is like the president. You won't get to him. Mm-hmm. You may have a talk or two with him. That man is so busy because running running his label, being out the country, he stayed out the country a lot too because he was doing a lot of philanthropy work over in Africa and things. Like this started years ago. People didn't they didn't know about it. So you really don't get to talk too much to him. Is he from Africa? I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is because I was I was he's reading like up on him. He's from another country, isn't he? Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. Ghana or somewhere like that, you know. So and now he's and like he's over there. He's doing he's doing a lot for those countries over there. So you really don't get to chat with him as much mm-hmm. as you. It's would like you're hanging to. out with him every yeah, day when yeah. you're there. Yeah. But like I said, I got I I did recall one good time where we all hung. You know, saying we hung, we hung out, and he actually bought everybody drinks, and he just really took care of everything out of his own pocket and stuff like that. It was pretty dope. So, and I did meet him. I shook his hand and spoke with him. So, it's just when you on the low, when you on the bottom, and people don't acknowledge you like that, man. Like they don't even remember you. You could see him twenty years from now and be like, "Yo, you remember that time?" He's like, "Nah, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't recall." Like, <laughs> so <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Well, should we do a uh, song? Another song? Yeah, let's do it. It's been, a, it's been, a, it's been about uh, an hour of appointments. <laughs> so I think it's about that time. <clears throat> All right. He's going to switch everything over for us there. But uh, what song are we doing here? Man, we're going to do... We're gonna do this, this record that I dedicate to all my 420 friendly folks, man. It's more, it's not really a song. It's more like just a little freestyle that I created, you know what I'm saying, just for the people that uh, smoke a little, you know, it's a little herbal medication, man, you know, so you can thank me later. You definitely can thank me. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and like I tell people, like, this is normally not a representation of me, but it's just something that I love so much. And it's, you know, you, you have to be who you are. Music is an expression of you. So every song you do is not going to be that number one hit or it's not going to be this song is going to change the world. Sometimes you just make some records for you and, you know, and you got to have that. So that's what this is more. It's more like a playful thing that I do with myself. So, you know. All right. I think Ryan's going to cue you up here. Yeah. Hey, yo, who got my lighter? 420 friendly folks, stand up, man. Yeah. Skunk Kush, no Reggie Bush. Cold Creek, what I like to chief. I'm very high on that cherry pie. Number cushion, my swisher sweet. Lemon Kush, that melon. OG, I'm in hell on. Smoke it all, I don't sell none. I'm a real smoker, I tell you, man. If it's purple cushion, that Afghan. You can call me loud Pac Man. I'm going dumb on that bubble gum or that master Kush. I got a master plan. Super side mixed with side diesel. Dipped in lean, that's very lethal. Eyes red, looking like a demon. It got me floating like dead people. I'm cushed up on that Irene. Yo, weed brown, not lime green. Northern lights, I call it high beam. I've been smoking strong since I was 19. Take a shot. Yeah, roll it up. Yeah, do a thing. Yeah, but don't smoke too much. Yeah, uh, put one in the air. Lighten up a pair. I'ma smoke it anywhere. Yeah, put one in the air. Put one in the air. I tell them put one in the air. And I'm smoking it anywhere. Yeah, I put one in the air. Put one in the air. Put one in the air. I'm smoking it anywhere. And I might light me up a pair. Put one in the air. Put one in the air. I told them put one in the air. Yeah. 
<laughs> like I said, man, just a little light something for my 420 people, man. It's your boy Lil J Bone. You can follow me on all platforms at Primate One, Instagram, all of that, man. I look forward to hearing from y'all, man. Thank you. <laughs> all right, now you have to like navigate your way back through know, all the right? track it's like pods. A maze. It's like a maze. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a few times people have like knocked stuff over. I know, like they're doing it too. They, <laughs> like, get, oh. they get like real lit. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Because by this time, yeah, by pretty, the end of the show, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this, man. You guys got to have me back, man. You got to, you got to oh, let yeah. me come back, man. We love it. Yeah. I'll come back, Ryan. From the other room. Thank you. <laughs> I got your your wife is uh, eating a salad in the other room, and I, I got a little bit of that. Got some chips. Yes, very good. Uh, no, we I'm went, starving. We kava, kava is that what it's called? It's a, a Green Hills. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. like uh, never been there before. It's kind of like Chipotle, it where is. like pick everything. Yes, but it's Mediterranean food. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, oh my man, I love Mediterranean food, yeah. man. Mediterranean, and I'm gonna tell you, Indian is pretty good, man. It's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a spot. I don't know where it is exactly, but it's it's on Charlotte, and it's right behind U.S. Bank. As soon as you get off White Bridge Road and make a right on Charlotte, right behind U.S. Bank, they have like an Indian cuisine place. If you ever, if you, it's kind of like a buffet style Indian oh, yeah, cuisine. Yeah. What's and it man, do I don't, I do not know the name of it, but it's like the only. You'll see, it's a big sign that says Indian cuisine, mm. and it's buffet style. You like Indian food? You would love that, man. I promise you. And George recommended that. Shout out to George Seals for that, man. Um, okay, someone's asking, did uh. Is it primate the number one, primate the word one, or primate prime the eight one? So it's actually spelled primate and the number one. So it's P-R-I-M-A-T-E one. And that's on Instagram. And um, and like I said, man, if you check out my Instagram, I do freestyle. I do live freestyles, post up uh, new songs that we're working on, man. Just it's just it's really entertaining. It's pretty engaging. So you know, follow me there definitely, and um, I'll give you a follow back. And um, you know, you, we can always just network, man. I have a couple of new singles out right now. So if you guys are wanting to hear any of my music, if you just Google Lil J Bone, L I L J B O N E. On all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Napster, Pandora, whatever, however you, Napster whatever. Still yeah, it, is. it actually does. Really? It's crazy, you know what I'm saying? Good. So, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever streaming platform that you get your music, SoundCloud, whatever, just Google Lil J Bone, L I L J B O N E. I have new singles up, and um, you know, we just put up a new single about a week ago, Slide, that was actually produced right here in this very studio, man. So in this very room, in this, in this very, very room. room. So, is that? Yeah. That's on Spotify. Yes, it is. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, you man. know what I'm saying. So everything's up, man. I tell you, once we once we finish, man, like I'm throwing it up like soon because people, I'm 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 they they love the music so much. They hear it and like, wait a minute, you are like your music is different, and it's like, yeah, listen, you know what I'm saying. So mm. that's what we want. It's engaging, and like I'm 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 starting to get into more more melodic stuff, and you already know about that because so you just recorded. We just recorded "Set the Mood" the other day, and it's more like a party. Song and I think people are really gonna love that, but it's not out yet. You guys gotta wait for that one. So <laughs> we're getting there, though. We're definitely getting there. So nice. All right. You still want to ask your little Nas question, or are you over it? Oh, is that I what you're talking about? That's what you we were, were gonna say that's that in the what beginning, was gonna and be. I sidetracked it. But oh, I was just gonna say with it. Uh, good to bring back. Couldn't remember. Yeah, I, know, all. Right? I know, right? I know, right? I was gonna ask. So, <laughs> with uh, how's the Hennessy? It tastes like Hennessy. What do you mean, how's the Hennessy? Oh, it's great. Oh, they- <laughs> 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 uh, tastes like it's making me popular. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's gonna be a lyric in your next song. <laughs> Hennessy. 
It's probably the most Hennessy. The most. That's what I sound like. That's my the, artist. That's your artist yeah. sound, just mm-hmm. like that. Hennessy. Of any liquor, it's probably the one you hear in songs. As far as like specific name brand, more than anything else, you hear it a lot. You do because there's a lot of songs about like whiskey in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like specifically Hennessy. Hennessy is pretty popular. I feel like somebody yeah. should have a Hennessy endorsement by now. Like right. as much as people. Hennessy, if you're listening and uh, want to sponsor us, if you want, if you <laughs> want to sponsor, we will drink it. If you're listening, they listen every episode. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I know, will come. If we got free alcohol, we would make that the drink of the of show. Course. Listen, if you got Hennessy, if you sponsored this, if you sponsored them, I will come by just to drink Hennessy. I will not talk. <laughs> I will just be in the background somewhere, just, just drinking. Hang out in the lounge every Friday night. <laughs> like, I promise you. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, but I, so I was gonna ask you. I was gonna say because when it came out, it was a big controversy. Yeah, people were like, "Is it country music? Is yeah. it not country music? Yeah. Is it rap or hip hop? Yeah. What is it?" I just, um, so uh, you, what's your take on it? I yeah, just yeah. think that it was a it was a cool crossover record. Mm-hmm. I think that an artist like Lil Nas X should be a Nashville artist. Is what I thought. You know, like mm-hmm. being like that record embodies like a hip hop artist from Nashville, Tennessee, coming mm-hmm. up like. If you're from Nashville, you have to appreciate country. Let's just put that on the table. <laughs> People think that there's, there's this big misconception that hip-hop artists don't like country music. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. We love it. It's music. You cannot be a musician and not like music. So what Lil Nas X did was he combined the two. That most that we've been... I've been here... I've been in Nashville 30 years. I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I've never thought to take a hip-hop bass song and put a country tune with it so he did that that's that's how you that's how you set yourself apart he's a trendsetter that he he started something that i think people will mimic for ages to come Hmm. it's just once Lil Nas x do it you can't necessarily go and do it right then and there or people are going to say what you're copying copying. so i just think that it's going to take time that's more like left field stuff somebody once told me whatever they're not on in hip-hop is what you should do Whatever they're not on. So if everybody's being cool, you should put out something that says I'm not cool. If mm. everybody's talking about haters, mm. you should talk about women. So mm. everybody was like you were saying. It's, it's more violence in the street and it's gangster stuff. And then you have little Nas X who comes riding on a horse down mm. Old Town Road. <laughs> I just think that that was the perfect record at the perfect time to mm. catapult him into the success that he wanted because it was it was perfect. I love the song. I really think it's an innovative record. I think it's creative. And I think that... Nashville-based artists can learn from that because I really want to collab more with like a Melinda Lambert or like I was telling you Luke Bryan or Toby Keith. I would love to do a hip hop a record like that. And um, Nelly and Tim McGraw. I know you guys remember the record. I forgot the name of the record, but Nelly and Tim McGraw. I wish I, I can't think of the name right now, but it kind of started this crossover hip hop stuff, and it's just I really think it works. I think it works well. That's the one thing that's I, I, Little Nas X. Good job. You captured that. You definitely <laughs> captured it. He captured, you want to capture what we call I got you moment. You want to have an I got you moment when you drop a record. That's how definitely you. Definitely have that. That's, 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 <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I got you. It's like every time that song comes on, you're going to listen. You're going to bob your head. It's a good record. It's not anything that's too over the top. And he did what you want to do as a, as a musician. Mm-hmm. You want to mm-hmm. capture your fan base. He did it, and he and he just took a different spin. That's why I like it. I like the creativity. He took a different spin. He didn't use your typical hip-hop record. Mm. He took a country-based record. Who's done it? Yeah, Darius I mean, Rucker, I mean, maybe. Like a, a couple you see what I'm saying? Like right here, there, Darius but, Rucker yeah. is like the only person that's kind of doing stuff like that, yeah. but Darius is not all the way that. So, you know what I'm saying? So he did exactly what you want to do. You something want, new, essentially. You want to be known for something no one else has done. And Lil Nas X... 
he he just he wrote his name in the history books with that record. So oh, yeah. <laughs> he did. I'll say the first time I heard the song, I was like, "That's kind of goofy." I was like, "I don't know." You about know what? That. I think we all said but that. But after like listening like five, ten after times, a couple, I was like, "Yo, this so dude catchy. is genius. This dude is genius." <laughs> like stuck in my head for I was mad at myself. I'm like, "How the hell? I didn't think anything like that." that is, mm-hmm. That's genius. Mm-hmm. Some things are just genius, man. And, and and it's just you have to appreciate great. You have to appreciate people's great talent when they give it to you, man. Mm-hmm. We sometimes we have these records that come along. I don't know if you guys remember, but Nelly had a record a long time ago, and it was like, "I'm going down, down, baby." Oh, yeah, street in a Range Rover. Yeah, who huge was, hit. Who was doing that? No. We heard that record like this nursery school rhyme yeah, ass song. Like, 100% yeah. Yeah. But then you hear that record a couple of times and you listen to music and you think like this dude is a genius, mm. and it's and it works. It worked like it worked. Nelly went ten times platinum on that. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So it's I just that was feel a long time ago. I feel like was, I was like in junior high or like early high school when that came out. You know out. what? I think we were. I was pretty much like tenth. <laughs> yeah, I was around there. So, so yeah, man. But Lil Nas X is definitely uh, Lil Nas X is a is an innovator, man. He's he's a trendsetter, and you know what I'm saying. And not 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 his, his sexuality or anything doesn't have to do with the record. That's a good record, and people have to appreciate that. And I, and I love it. I definitely appreciate it. Every time Old Town Road comes on, I'll listen. And then he threw Billy Ray on it that really just, I love Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. I've been listening to him since Achy Breaky Heart. And like people, you know what I'm saying? Like my mom used to have some shorts that says, look at my Achy Breaky butt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, it's what I'm telling people. Like it's a misconception that hip hop artists, we love country. We love every, I love every genre. I love everything. So to hear Billy Ray on it, an artist that I actually am familiar with from the city, it's like, mm. yo, this is this is dope. So it, it was pretty good. That, that song is, yeah, it's in my top five. I like it. Top five? That's yeah. strong. That's, That's strong, strong, man. Because yeah. it's just the creativity of it, it's man. It's unique. It's new. It's, it's, it's yeah. It was, it was, and it's fun. Yeah. Like, you hear that record, man, it's mm. fun. You want to laugh and smile. Like, I like stuff like that. You know what I'm right. saying? Don't get me wrong. I like my gangster records at times. You can't tell me you don't have some days where you're sitting in traffic and somebody just piss you off and you be like, I would... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Perfect soundtrack just come on of what you're thinking right now. <laughs> you know so we have our moments, but overall, like, I love fun. Like, I love to have fun. I'm an energetic guy. I like to have fun. So stuff like that that's positive catches me in, uh, in ways that it probably won't hit most, you know? So it, it was definitely something I love. So I love it. I do. Yeah. Hennessy, y'all. Hennessy. <laughs> we do. We need to start hitting up people's uh, liquor companies. See if we get sponsorship. I'm telling you, man. You know, like with Kentucky right here, all this bourbon, all the people making bourbon. Man, I'm I'm trying to tell Someone's you. Someone's gotta like, give us some free bourbon. Somebody gotta give us right. something. I mean, you know who knows? You guys could start broadcasting live from the bourbon spot, right like we at the distillery, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Kentucky's not that far. It's, yeah, it's not. I would, I would definitely do it. Like I it's told like you, closer I would, than going to the Jack Daniels distillery. Yeah, I would not have to be on the show. Just I would be in the background just drinking okay like that, that's that's my hire me to just be your on-site drinker hire me to drink <laughs> you know like the dream job <laughs> you know um i posted on my facebook page the other day snoop dogg and i just found this out i forgot what i was looking at snoop dogg was um he was on the ellen show <laughs> snoop dogg hired a guy that does nothing but roll blunts I for him i heard about that what? snoop <laughs> dogg hired a blunt roller and he said this salary pays in between 45 to fifty thousand a year <laughs> no just, just now to be fair that is a full-time job that is a full-time <laughs> job that guy's for dude. probably pretty good yeah. he <laughs> quick. and snoop said he was like look i don't even 
He was like, I don't even tell him. He, I'll just be like, yo, you got something for me? And he just pops out the perfectly rolled blunt. <laughs> he said he's good. He's on point every time I need him. And I was thinking, like, yo, I'm, pre- I'm a pretty good roller. Like, <laughs> 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 you know what I'm like I was like, um, what, what, uh, what benefits come with this, Snoop? Like, you know, what's the benefit package yeah. looking like? 401k? You mentioned Snoop Dogg on, on Ellen. And that reminds me, Snoop Dogg also done stuff with, um, with a lot of things with, what's her name, Martha Stewart. Oh, man. Oh, does, yeah, they're like, they're like, like, does Snoop Dogg have like an old white lady constituency? You know, I think, it's, I think it's more of what we're talking about. It's like Snoop's looking at like, hey, how can I capitalize on the biggest fan base? Mm-hmm. And like in a black community, we give Martha Stewart a pass for going to jail. Okay. <laughs> Martha Stewart, like, is fucking cooler than Tiger Woods. You hear me? Like, you hear me? <laughs> to be fair, Tiger Woods is the whitest dude there is. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think for Snoop, it was a marketing ploy. Like, yo, let's get Martha on something. Like, people will give me mad props for having Martha with me. And, like, you know, and so I, I really love it. I watch their show from time to time. Yeah. And those two, they work. I can tell yeah. you. They were. At this point, Snoop's done everything. Like, yeah, man. Like, I mean, it's funny because I, I heard like some years ago, people were, there was like some artist come out complaining. Like, he wraps all this up, but he's really just a family guy. Yeah. Like, he's just a family guy, but he still he makes music. I mean, but that's what I tell people. It's all about expression. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Snoop set his family down and told him like, look, this is not this is not what I want you to do. I don't you know what I'm saying this is this is this is my gimmick. This is my thing. Mm-hmm. Let me have this. Be yourself. Yeah. You know, and it's, so it's like people out here. You I tell you, it, it starts at home. Parents, if you prepare your kids, you don't have to worry about them falling victim to social media or things they see or or or, or, or you, you, you can't shelter them. Let your kids go out into the world and make mistakes. And what's going to happen is they're going to learn their way. They're going to realize what's right from wrong and they won't get caught up in in this foolishness like. Take me for an example. I have two parents. They're still married. My parents have been married for 47 years. I was sheltered. I was taught to... You're the only one in the in the building, actually. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my, my mom and my dad have been married 47 years. And, like, seriously, my mom raised me. Now, weed was my choice. I told you guys. I, I chose to. If I smoked, it was on me. But I never tried cocaine, meth, anything hard, or anything mm-hmm. like that, because my parents showed me what that was. I've never heard anything bad about weed. I've never heard of people dying or. You I know, can tell you some of... bad things about weed. <laughs> you, know, you want to jump in? You want to no. chime in? What you got? Well, what you got? What you got? This is my public service announcement. Uh, family member, <laughs> you know who I'm talking oh about. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I think I told you some of that. Yes, yes, we talked about For this. Some kinds of people, marijuana leads to psychosis and craziness yeah. that looks yeah. a lot like schizophrenia. Yeah. It don't like, amplify and, something and, they already have. And for some people... And that's what I was going to say. Is it already something there or does the marijuana put that there? It's a good question. I don't think people really And I think know. there's... Yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot... Sci- you need a scientist, right? But there's also... I've got a, I've got a good, good buddy whose, whose brother now has spar- paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. And it came from all his pot smoking. So there's a certain kind of person who's just susceptible... But, you know, to be fair, there's a certain kind of person who's allergic to water. I mean, but you're be extreme. And I don't mean yeah. to cut you off, but let's be yeah. honest. When I smoke marijuana, there is always the feeling of paranoid. I always feel like I've done something wrong, but I just I'm just so used to it that I handle it. It's like I'm mm-hmm. cool. So I can definitely see how I don't I definitely wouldn't tell my nephew, hey, smoke. 
Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's something that I feel you have to be able to control in your own right. It's like, but it's like drinking. We're all sitting mm-hmm. here drinking right now, but it's 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 in a, it's in a controlled environment. But you can handle it. And on a few t- a few times, you're like, ooh, I kind of did the wrong thing that night, but now yes. I do better next yes. time. But but and then some people drink themselves and they to death. And then they just drink themselves they, to death. They drink and it makes right. them violent. And, and yeah. it's somebody else's yeah. fault. Yeah. Or is it just their fault? Exactly. You know? Because I'm gonna tell you, getting no, drunk. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's up to the person. It's up. Yeah. To, I think it just really brings. That's just the one thing. Okay, so because marijuana is a big co- topic right now because we're from California and they legalized right. it. And everywhere's legalizing right. right now. And that's the one thing. Is, I think for a long time we've been on on the topic of everybody's been saying, hey, look, marijuana is harmless because because it was completely like outlawed. Like no one should ever have this. No one should touch it. You know, like right. we were making fun of that in Pineapple yeah. Express. Where, like, <laughs> their agent or what was it? Uh, uh, object nine or yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> object nine, it makes people insane. Yeah. And, uh, and so like we've swung the other way where now the whole conversation is like, it for a while, while it's been illegal, the conversation's been, it's perfectly harmless. Why is this legal? It's no different than alcohol. And my only PSA in all this is like, but sometimes it's not. And if marijuana makes you freak out, you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Have you smoked? I have, yeah. So to hear you say that, I love like, I love to hear smokers give what you just said. Everybody makes it seem like that, you know, marijuana, and like I was getting ready to say, and I was going to say, I've never heard anybody doing anything from that, but I was going to say, and, but you, 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 could, you, you interjected, there are certain times that marijuana has gotten people to do things that wasn't necessarily in their character. Well, they're inebriated. Yeah. Ine- yeah. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like in, 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 and, I, and I just recently learned, and it's funny, I should have known this, you can get a DUI for driving under the influence of marijuana. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. Like, I had a friend that just got pulled over, and they got a DUI. They was like, I took the breathalyzer, and I passed it, but I was stumbling. Because mm-hmm. he was high as hell. Right. <laughs> he was on some good, he was on some Khalifa Kush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That stuff, the THC level in it is so high, man. It's like, so... Yeah. Do you know how much he smokes? Yes. Oh. He, told, I, he was he came on the Joe Rogan show. He said he smokes almost an ounce a day. An ounce a, a day. day. Do you understand wow. the... <laughs> Do you understand his tolerance? Like, if this dude doesn't have super, super strong, he's not even getting high. Yeah. That's like, you're almost ready for cocaine at that point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like think, think about so that. Great, yeah. I mean, think about yeah. that. If I, 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 I definitely have never gotten to the point where I smoke more than a quarter a day. So I don't know yeah, what it's like. That sounds like a lot. You see what that's I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, I said I've never gotten to the yeah. point where I'm smoking that yeah, much. So yeah. to be on an ounce, you're damn near ready for cocaine. Like, yeah. you you might need heroin at that point. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm just saying, like, that's, that, that, that's, that's a dangerous level right there. Yeah. I just think weed's like, anything else it's like with a substance you know like i i had a i've had experiences where i had just the tiniest amount and i was like i'm good this feels like i had a few glasses of wine and i just feel nice yeah and then i had one time where and i didn't even have that much it was like a puff or two but for whatever reason i don't Mm -hmm. know what the reason is Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason that night i dude i thought i was gonna die yeah i thought all sorts of crazy shit i remember being in i was in an elevator of a hotel and I heard two guys, they were talking about Cuban cigars. And in my mind, it was like, this is, they're they're talking, in, these are two spies. And they're talking in code. <laughs> and when they're talking about the cigars, they're really talking about they're here to assassinate. That sounds like shrooms. Or yeah, yeah. Right. And I told some of the guys later, I'm like, hey, what was in that weed? And they're like, no, 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 it was fine. We all had it and we were all fine. But, but it's something like, it's, happened. it's different for and everybody. So, mm-hmm. And yeah. so I don't know, I, I'm 
I always tell him, I'm like, I'm ambivalent towards weed. That's yeah. my word. Ambivalent yeah. means you don't know you one don't, way or the other. You don't know in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I think there's some good things and there's some bad things. And for a certain kind of person, it's the worst thing for you. And some people just handle it great. Some people handle because I wonder and myself. I've had I've had good and bad, so I just mostly don't touch it. And when I have touched it, I'm really extremely careful. I'm thinking because like, I've seen what it can do to a certain kind of person. I'm like Snoop is getting older. He shouldn't be able to handle all of this. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like they said, um, Jay Anthony Brown. If you got Jay Anthony Brown is like a uh, he's on a Steve Harvey morning show, mm. and he and he talked about one morning on the show the time that he smoked weed with Snoop. And he said, he was like, yo, these guys were at a party. It was like a, I think it was an Oscars party or something like that that they were out in Cali. And he was like, Snoop was in, Snoop had his own room and everybody was just coming in there. And like, he was like, I just noticed that people wasn't staying long. And he was like, mm-hmm. they was coming in there and it was taking like one hit and they was getting so high that they was just like gone. So he said he recalls coming in there, hitting, hitting Snoop's joint twice. And he don't even remember what happened for the rest of the <laughs> night. But yeah. he was like, Snoop had told him that was like his 12th joint. So oh my I'm, God. and I'm thinking like if that if it was that strong, and you took it, you hit it twice, and you didn't even remember the rest of the night. How in the hell is Snoop's tolerance? He said, "I said he's getting older. Like how 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 is he still That's being nice. able to smoke so much?" Yeah, he he. So Snoop Dogg has he streams on Twitch. He has a Twitch account. Does he? Every once in a while, and he was for a little bit a lot, and he was smoking weed on stream, and it yeah. became this big controversy. Because you're not allowed to do that. You can't do that. Oh, and it came. It got to the point like they were like they were, they were going to ban him yeah. from Twitch. What are you and doing? So they had to, it eventually came out with a statement, like an official, like I have it like like screenshotted. So because like cause, yeah, we're talking about weed now, yeah. like, it's okay, you know. Yeah. Um, so they said if it's legal, you can do it. And he was like, "Well, I was in California." Wow. Why don't yeah. we? Why don't we go? Why don't we have our next stream from San Diego? Okay. Why don't we do that one time? Okay. Just have every like all our little goodies on the table. And everything. Speaking of San Diego, you know what you remind me of is uh, you uh, is uh, PM. Have you met him? Yeah. You talking about Chris? Chris? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, George. He has, P- a, he has an uncle in San Diego. So that's yes. what I thought of it. Yes. But he he's similar to you that he has he has a real positive mindset. Yeah. At least I, I haven't. We haven't hung out that many times, but we had him on the show, and I yeah, feel like he's a real positive mindset. Him, he's a really good guy. We actually did a record together, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to actually release it. I'm trying to re-release it. It came out a while ago. We didn't put it out the way we wanted. But, yeah, man, I told you, I'm just a, I'm just a fun guy, man. Like, I just, I need that, I need motivated people around me. I need mm-hmm. positive people around me because, like I said, man, when growing up, I always had to be, I, I had to be the best version of myself. I wasn't allowed to bring a B home. I had to make straight A's, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like... Being an intelligent person, you kind of attract what you are. So I tend to attract intelligent people. And I just want to I just want to come off as a person, man, that that loves everybody, that will support you with anything that you have going, that always wants to get that message of be yourself. You know, do not allow what people say the societal norms are to control you. You know, and formulate your own opinion. Find stuff out for yourself. Do research. Get evidence. Don't 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 do not take anybody's word for nothing. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and it's just, mm-hmm. it just comes across it radiance as, as a person. I'm, I'm, I'm living, man. Like, I tell everybody, like, and um, I guess I should tell the fans and every, everybody that's listening. About four and a half years ago, my ex girlfriend died of cancer, and in the same year, my brother died of cancer. And I told you guys that when I went on tour, that was one of the turning moments, the turning points in my life. Well, my brother and my ex girlfriend dying was another turning point mm-hmm. in my life. When that happened, I couldn't do anything musically. 
I couldn't rap one bar. I couldn't write anything. I couldn't do nothing. So I had to regain my love for life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you lose to a brother and a girlfriend, it was tough. I didn't know if I was coming or going. And it just took the fun out of life. I contemplated suicide a lot. I was just on the down, on the downward spiral, per se, because I didn't know how to deal with it. And, and I hate to say this, but being black... We don't like to talk to counselors. I don't. I don't. I think I'm better than counseling and, and stuff like that. I probably mm. should have had some counseling. Mm. I just lost a, a girlfriend and a brother. That was traumatic. Yeah. So instead of actually seeking the help I needed, I was. I kind of took the cool role. Like it, it's not affecting me, and it affected every aspect of my life. I'm not a really religious guy, but God saved me, mm-hmm. and I just feel like that is my obligation to give that positivity back now because I'm back. I'm back better than ever. I'm, I'm making better music than I've ever made. Um, I'm, I'm doing things that I've never thought I'd be able to do, and it's just because I just surrendered to God. I just told him, hey, get me through it. Get me through it. Nothing else would have helped. Nothing would have helped. Smoking didn't help. Drinking didn't help. Nothing helped. Yeah, that's the worst when you get to a point where your vices won't help you. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they won't help you escape. You, I mean, like, what, what do you do? It's either you give up or you find that answer. And for me, it was just praying, 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 and believing. It's not. It's one thing to pray. It's another thing to actually believe what you pray. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that, hey, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And I just feel like you speak into existence what is actually true. So if you tell yourself, you know what, I can't do this, then you can't. But if you tell yourself, I can do this, you just can. And people say, well, hey, that's that's broad and simple, but it's the truth. Telling yourself you can convince yourself of anything. You know how people believe a lie? You can tell yourself a lie for so many times that you actually believe the damn lie. Mm-hmm. It's just that. It's that. It's the it's the power of words. So for me, I want to put inspirational quotes and messages and beliefs and things into the universe so it can transpire into something great. I'm on a path to greatness. And it, it kind of happened like I kind of found my greatness when Kobe Bryant died. And because um, Kobe inspired mm-hmm. me. That was that was like the athlete for me. I really I saw Jordan when I was little, but. I really, Kobe Bryant was that guy for me. And the mama mentality, and it just, you know, with his, with his death and everything, he's kind of been the face of everything right now. And it's just, right. I kind of saw in, 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 in his situation what happened with me. Like, I'm telling you guys, man, like, I was, I was in a bad place. So to see me here right now, this is the new me. And it's like, this is what you get. You're going to get positivity because I've come from a low place. And I've saw the other side. Like, death, man, is, is, is a nasty monster. That's why when you tell me your battle with your brother, like you didn't even know, but I pray for you and your brother. I pray for his mind because Thank you. that's definitely what we need, man. Like we're all brothers, skin mm-hmm. color, none of that matters. I'm here to preach a message that we got to get the love back in the world. White, black, Latino, we got to connect better than we've ever connected. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I agreed to do the podcast tonight. And it's because I realized that diversity it's what runs our nation. If you look at America, no color really dominates. It was created, of course, the white man created it. We'll give that. But this is a diverse nation. We need each other to flourish. And if we don't do things like this, like you guys bring black people on or hip-hop people or Mexicans or anybody that's just doing their thing, we will never get to where we need to get to Are as a world. Mexicans, that count? 
Yeah, it does. That definitely counts. You hear me? I'm gonna tell you he, now. He told that to Sativa. That definitely counts. He told that to Sativa, and Sativa's like, "Well, you're passable white." <laughs> <laughs> That, He's off. You look like every Jewish motherfucker out here. Like, that definitely counts. You hear me? I'm gonna tell you straight up. Like that definitely counts. We we just need it, man. We we gotta heal. The diversity podcast. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's weird moving out here because in San Diego. So I went to the high school I went to. And it was in the inner city, and I was my graduating class was like 600 people. Yeah. 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 And I was one of like four well, white dudes who were not part Mexican. Okay. Like I'm, like I'm a white dude. Yeah. Like I look like a white dude. Yeah. You do. Uh, especially the beard. Guess, especially the beard. Man. So, uh, cause I'm only like, I'm only like and I gotta say, but, just side note, I yeah. had a revelation about you during the middle of the show. I wasn't gonna say it, but, but, uh, you have this Jew curl right I here. Know, yeah. Yes, man, I was so <laughs> That's what makes you look Jewish. Uh, it's the curls down there. It definitely it, yeah. is. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, yes, it no, is. Uh, and speaking of Jew curl, almost sounds like racist. It I does. just want to point Let's... out what, who, what comedian was that? I think I was Louis C.K. Or I was listening to a comedian. I don't know if you can use Louis C.K. right Davidson, now. And I was about now. to say, like, I... Yeah. I was listening to a comedian this week. Some comedian this week, and he said... He was like, Jew's an interesting term because Jew is the proper, polite way to respond to call, what to call them. And it's also the racial slur, just depending on your tone. Just depending yeah. on so your tone. For, if there's no... Just so there's no confusion, that was a positive right. Jew. If you use it like a, a high girl. like a Jew. Like, <laughs> a Jew girl. <laughs> you fucking Jew. Like, yeah, not yeah, fucking Jew. You can't. You can't. You cannot. You not doing that at all. <laughs> you gotta have that high pitch, like talking to your dog. Hey, you stupid but, dog. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks like Orthodox Jewish person. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. passable white. Yeah. So, but the, but the school, school, the high school I went to. Well, it was at a, all, all the high schools in the entire U.S. Yeah, it was the second most languages spoken. Wow, there was something like forty languages. Oh my God! And I grew up around every race imaginable. Yeah. I, yeah. I had friends from every race. Yeah. Man, like that was just how I grew up. I moved here, and I was like, there are so many white people. Here. <laughs> I'm like, mm. I, have ne- <laughs> I have never seen because I. It's not how I grew up. And it's funny it's because the South is black and white. Because, yeah. but, and it's funny because East Nashville. Going, I went to Maplewood High School. Okay. Maplewood is like it's located uh like in between Dickinson Road and like Ellington somewhere in there it's like I forgot the street name but Maplewood oh, I used to live over there on y- Trinity Lane yeah somewhere right around there so mm-hmm. Maplewood was predominantly black mm. I maybe had like two white friends at school so then I transfer we moved to North Nashville and I transfer and I'm zoned to Hillwood mm. so I get to Hillwood and it is like the opposite <laughs> it is like predominantly white but I really made like the friends that I made from Hillwood me and George like. That's a Hillwood guy, mm. and it was like like that that we we needed that, like I needed that being from the inner city. Like I grew up in the projects, you wouldn't you wouldn't you, you wouldn't be able to tell the way I talk and the way I carry myself. Mm. But you kind of needed all of those different. You needed the projects that got you your toughness. You needed to be around diversity. It, it showed you like the work environment and things like that. So I just feel like diversity is what really makes you the people that are not. That are that they have not been around it. It's kind of like they're you look at them like they're almost Amish a little bit. It's like wait, you, know you know what I'm saying? It's like what you, you don't know what to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's funny when you see someone like who grew up completely like in like a just uh just around their own race, just around. And then they get around and they like, don't know how to act. They're like you know like they're just like 
Like they're the, the same. Like for the most part, like, it's just be normal. Just like, be normal. Uh, Stop being weird. Just just be normal. Stop being weird and about I, it. I, I promise, man. So <laughs> it's just those moments. Like I really thank my parents for putting me in moments like growing up in predominantly white schools or mm-hmm. growing up in the good neighborhoods. And like my my like my had a best friend. His name was Jacob Leith. He was a white boy. And man, you couldn't tell us apart. You didn't have to tell us by that name. <laughs> you see, what I'm saying? Jacob, you, you kind of knew it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But. His Man, name's Jacob. Jacob. His name's Jacob. <laughs> so, so it's like you couldn't. We was like twin brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His actually, I learned how to play. What is it called, you guys? The table, table. Uh, I think it's table tennis with the ping pong ball. ball. Like, mm-hmm. like da, 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 da. I think yeah, yeah, that, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Ping pong. Ping pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad, I learned how to play ping pong from a white man, okay? <laughs> and I promise I was badass in it because of him. <laughs> this dude was one of the greatest ping pong. <laughs> so, like, for me, man, I don't, I don't see color, man. I see who you are. Mm. I mean, like I said, I probably couldn't hang with Kanye. I'm going to be honest. Kanye's a black man. That's not me. Like, that type of person, that asshole, I think I'm better than you, or, you know, I, I don't like that. I like humble people. I like humility. Like, I was I was always taught, man, you can be good at something, but you don't have to brag about it. Yeah. Like, I was mm-hmm. always taught that it's not a such thing as bragging. You're either good or you're not. So if Ryan mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm the dopest producer on the planet, he's not bragging. He's really the dopest producer on the planet. This is how this is how I was taught. I don't taught. say it though. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I was, need you to say it. You said, that's right. That's right. But that's but that's that's the way it works. You learn mm-hmm. that you never you never say you're good at anything. You right. just show people how good you are, and they say it for you. Uh huh. I've been and, told the same thing. Like you know, if you can't you can't if if somebody else says wait wait something like if you try to tell somebody who you are, they're not going to believe you. But if somebody else says it about you, you couldn't convince them otherwise. You could not. If you tell one of an artist, hey, I'm the best engineer you'll ever work with. Like, please, I've worked with so many people. But if I be like, yo, this dude here, you got to work with him. He's the Mm -hmm. best engineer you'll ever work with. That means a lot more. They're like, wait a minute, really? Mm -hmm. How much does he charge? Can I get get in tomorrow? (laughs) Take credit card? Word of mouth. Word of mouth. (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) Word of mouth is the greatest thing that you can ever do. To have somebody else vouch for what your your validity is everything. To have someone else put their their, their person on the line and say, I vouch for you. Mm -hmm. It really holds weight with people. We, We value that for some reason. You know, that's just... To hear somebody else say he's dope. Hey, Jordan's the greatest. Really? Okay, I'll buy his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you know they say in songwriting, show don't tell. Show don't tell. Show mm-hmm. don't tell. And they say that all the time in songwriting. Like, show me how good of a song. Don't don't tell me anything. Because from the lyrics, and, and I listen to this track, I don't know how good of a songwriter you are. You don't have to jump around like bells and whistles. I'm a songwriter. Like, like <laughs> We don't care. Just show. Don't I, tell. I had a turning point moment when I was 14, 15, somewhere in there. I yeah. went to a, a hunting camp. And just to like show my cards a little bit, I'm yeah. like, uh, my family's not wealthy or my immediate family, yeah. but my grandparents are. Yeah. And so we got growing up, we got a mix of both. Like we had prepaid lunches or we had the government free lunches. Yes. But then we also like went on a crazy vacation. Like I got, yeah. Like, yeah. But I, also, I got, I got, I got $20 to spend at lunch today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying everybody pizza sticks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like a... It was like our, yeah, it was like our childhood. Those were cool at school, right? It's like our childhood, you got to be raised, like we were in an apartment, we were like, yeah. you know, low, lower class living, 
But like when you go to grandma and grandpa's house, you got to be around rich people and that whole thing. And you know, and my, so my parents were kind of like that. When mm. the younger I was, we lived in the project. We lived in inner city project. You know, what I'm saying based on your income. The older I got, we moved. I've, I've lived in a five six room house, and it's like damn mansion. It's like wow. Like mm, so, yeah. I just think that you need to. Like I said, man, life is always two forces at work in life. It's always good and evil, bad and good. You see what I'm saying? Positive and negative. It's all that. So to have that experience, to see you come from nothing, and then to have money, that shaped who you are. But look how you look how you carry yourself. Like man, I, I'm I'm proud to know you. Like I told George that. Like, listen, <laughs> well, you are, listen. I am a musician that needs to get my tracks done asap. But when you was out of town, I couldn't record. There was literally nobody else that I wanted to work with in this city. I waited for you to come back. I called George every day like, yo, when is Ryan coming back? I don't want to text him because I don't want to seem like an ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, text, I'm telling yeah. you, man, like you have like you have really showed me a lot. And I, and I love that's why I'm trying to tell you, like my life is based off of relationships. It's all about who, you know, how you connect and the way you guys act with each other. Yeah. Absolutely. So this environment is like what I've been looking for my whole life. And that's why my music shows that you you can really see where an artist is in his life if you listen to their music. At one point, I don't know if you guys know who Mary J. Blige is. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, Mary J., all her hits were depressing. Well, she was getting her ass whooped. She was going through a really bad relationship. Mm -hmm. And she was making pain in her music. All of them was number ones. But people are like, well, nowadays, Mary don't put out a number one hit no more. She's happy. Like, she's gotten into this lane now, and, it, and it's hurt her creativity, but it's, it's better. Like, which one is better? Is it, is it better to have great creativity and I make these good songs, but my life sucks? Or is no. it better to have my life great and I really don't write? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, where, which one's better? You know, so it's just so you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand, like, what, how much an engineer can influence an artist because who you are says a lot about the company you keep. See what I'm saying? And bringing in certain types of artists into your studio even says a lot about you. Like George doesn't give everybody Ryan's reference. So for him to tell me, hey, you can record with Ryan, that speaks volumes on who I am because he knew that I would mesh well with who you are and everything is just, it's not going to kill the vibe. We're actually, as a matter of fact, it's going to take that vibe to the next level because Pretty mm -hmm. Boy knew that Jesse's the type of guy that when he meets people, he builds that relationship and mends that relationship. I even told you that. I don't like recording everywhere because I'm personal. I like to have a friendship with my engineer. It's more than business. I'll bring you business. You're going to get paid. I got 25 artists right now that just been watching our video on my Instagram. Like, yo, where do you record again? <laughs> Don't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's that relationship. It's being able to say, hey, you're like me, but you're not my skin color. You see what I'm saying? That's the important part. That's the brotherhood of it. That's what gets us to the next level. That's, that, that's what Dr. Martin Luther King was talking about. Mm -hmm. That's the promised land era now that we're in because that's, that's where we are. To, to be sitting here doing this the way that we're doing it now, Dr. King is somewhere like smiling in his grave like, I told y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Living I, I, the dream. I, I told you. you know, so, so now, Maybe that's what I'll call this episode. Living, the, living dream. the dream. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But the thing Lil is... Little J-Bone, living the dream. But the thing is, though, and now that we've gotten to this point and we're still talking, how do we push the envelope? Yo, how do we how do we keep it going? You see what I'm saying? Because what we want to do is relay this to, to everyone else. 
We want to we want to bring we want to give this to the people so they can keep living the dream so they can keep pushing it because and I hate to say it and I, and I hate to bring politics into into it, but I'm affected by it. But Trump is killing the dream. And I hate to look at it in that light, but he's making people negative again. Hateful. Yeah. And that's and, and that's what we don't want. So moments like this, segments like this, I feel like we get a little bit of our power back. Mm. And I'm just glad to be a, a part of that. Like, really, that's that's why I even signed up to do it, because I, I knew this what this is empowering. This is important. People need to hear this. People need to see this because you hear that internet. Y'all need to be listening. Y'all need to be listening. Y'all need to be listening. Get on okay? board. Get on. Get on board. We got an election this year, people. Okay, like <laughs> let's go. Drink as much Hennessy as you can. <laughs> but, oh, I did want to wrap up the the story I was about to tell because I wasn't just trying to brag about my grandparents are rich. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead go my ahead. grandparents are rich. Look here, look here. I'm gonna save him a corner, yeah. man. Oh, you got a corner there. A whole corner? Just a whole corner, man. Well, thank you. Your own corner. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I was gonna say with that is a they whole bottle podcast. They, a whole uh, bottle podcast, baby. They took me to Africa when I was a kid. They're into hunting. We went to Africa and did hunting there. Really? Yeah. South Africa and Zimbabwe. Man. And then they sent me to this hunting camp in Texas. And I was the California kid just getting into punk rock music <laughs> in Texas. Yeah. And um, the first kid I met there, and I was used to, like, most of my life I've made friends easy, and I was used to, like, I'm going to be everybody's friend. Yeah, yeah. But I got to this ca- camp in Texas, and the first kid I met, I'm like, oh, cool, this guy seems cool. We'll be friends. I was tell- He was like, so, uh, so you like hunting? You know, do you do hunting? And I was like, oh, you know. And I was, like, kind of going sort of humble with it slash also i've never felt like i'm a big hunter it's more like my family's thing and they like broke me into this yeah so i was like well i'm like not really like i'm more into like computer games and stuff like that (laughs) but like yeah i've been hunting and i was like yeah i've gone dove hunting with my dad in arizona and the only other thing like you know i did go to africa with my grandparents and we went to South Africa. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like trying to kind of downplay it because I. Right. Here's what. As, right. a, as a 14 year old, I felt bad because I knew that that was a really special experience yes. to have. Yes. To go to Africa. Yes. So I didn't want to lie and say I never did it. Yes. But I also don't want to like. You don't want to put it out there to make it. Yeah, like, 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 I'm, I'm been the top a- hunter here. I've been to Africa. Like, <laughs> exactly. <'Cause> Safari. <laughs> right. You know Af- Africa is like the top <laughs> of the hunting world. Yeah, it is. You feel they me? Call like, it safari when you're there. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. I've been on Safari. I've been on Safari. And, like, and, that's, the, that's like the douchiest thing to say. It right. sounds like in your head. You know I've been like, on Safari. In, in the world of hunting, like, there's no bigger than Africa. Like, all the coolest animals are in Africa. It's the coolest thing you can do. You are not lying. You are not lying. I, I didn't want to play that up, so I was trying to be humble. And anyway, they took it way bad because they thought I was being like arrogant. Oh, they thought I was putting it down. Like they're like, no. "Oh, just Africa. Oh, you think just Africa?" Right. And then I just got hazed for the rest of the week. <sighs> Nobody was my friend. Everybody hated hey, I'm me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, for I that. I went man. and took a nap one time. I'm sorry for that, man. And they uh, they woke me up from my nap by dumping water on me, and they're like, <laughs> "You gotta go do the dishes." <laughs> like. And uh, I was. This getting, is like a frat, right? Yeah, right. It was like a frat, and I was the hated guy, man. And I was just getting into like church around that time. Yeah. And so I was like reading my Bible and stuff, and like reading about Jesus, like turning the other oh, cheek. Oh my god! And then that happened to me. Like, you and know I what? Didn't know how to Dump water it. on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know what? laughs> 
<laughs> and man, oh, man, I was just—it was just the worst week of my life, man. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, I can only imagine. Even, even, that could go to a fucking hunting camp is awesome. Like, that I mean, sounds so cool. Yeah, that, that does was, sound cool. We shooting rifles. <laughs> we finna kill shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This I is did. supposed to be one of the dopest <laughs> yeah. experiences ever. <laughs> it was so bad that there was—I was like 14, 15, right? There was a 12-year-old, which now. That's only two year difference. That's not a big deal. But at that age, it was like, yeah. oh, he's the little kid. He's like still in middle yeah, school. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the middle schooler. Like I think he like he was nice to me at first, but once he saw everybody else is on the Hayden Ryan train, he was like, you know what? He I'm jumped like, on. Let me and jump then on this shit. He was one of the cool kids hating on me. I'm like, like you the know 12 what? Twelve year old doesn't like me. The check 12 this out. Twelve year old like, hates this out. me. I never liked you either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just gotta be honest just be with you. I just gotta be honest with well, you. What's funny is you got to go to this cool, awesome hunting camp mm-hmm. in that same summer they sent your sister, my wife, to. She just put it in chat, but she's to a this Christian scientist. Came. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> what? We had to do like, this awesome thing, yeah. and she went to like, like indoctrination what, oh, camp. What, to, what did they do her like that? Like, what, what, what did she? Do, what did she do wrong? Who did she piss off? You know what I'm saying? Like who did I piss off to get this? Like, having <laughs> in Texas shooting things. Which parent did I? Which, which parent did I piss off? Like, you know what I, had not, I did not have a good time. Although I did have a really life changing experience, and that was uh, they had a part of the camp where they had a bunch of African a- animals there. Because yeah. Texas isn't too different of a landscape from Africa. You know, I've been, I've been to Texas. It's kind of, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a lot of flat surfaces and stuff. Well, yeah, 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 yeah it is. but it's yeah. not like Arizona desert. There's, there's, mm. there's vegetation and stuff. And so they had like a bunch of animal, African animals there, and they had a giraffe. And when they took us around in the back of a truck and drove us around with all these safari animals yeah. out, yeah. and... Uh, a giraffe came up to the back of the truck and they stopped and it came up and it like, I'm right here and the giraffe's right here and it like leaned down his neck at me and then he did this thing where he stuck, I don't know if it was his tongue or if it was like, it looked like he puked up his guts but there's just something flopping around in his mouth. Okay. And he's just, he goes, <laughs> and you're like, oh shit. And he's like three feet away from me. And then they start driving away and the giraffe starts chasing us. And he's like, and they go pretty fast because they're tall. Right? He was like, no, this is a sign from the and universe. So he keeps for you. Coming, and this giraffe is like trying to eat me, it looks like, or, or, or. fuck me. And like, that's what it looked like. It looked like the giraffe wanted my body. And he was like, coming was not, and they're taking off. And, that was their sign. That was your sign from the universe that you had arrived. Okay. It was just sent from giraffe. You know what I'm saying? God sent the message through giraffe. So what you was getting was just giraffe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he, had, he had a really important message to share, but all he could go is... <laughs> you want to know what's crazy about well, Texas? Oh, I, I just need to, re- to, to finish that story. All uh, The reason I brought that up was to say that was the experience that taught me to walk humbly and not show all your cards. So versus I meet a lot of people, yeah. not everybody, but you meet some yeah. people in music yeah. who show all their top cards right away. Yes. And they try to tell you, they give you their pitch deck of why they're awesome. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and when they do, I'm like, mental note, maybe that's true. But right but away, right, I'm right, like, it's maybe not, it's not. It's actually we'll a, red, it's a red flag, if it's anything. It's a red flag if yes. they brag. Yes. People who have who have stuff going on don't share it all with you up front. They because, hold on Because, I mean, to honestly, that. there's so much going on, you can't even tell a person. Mm. So it's like everybody that can compartmentalize, like, yo, mm. yesterday, 
Golf with the Rock. <laughs> and then like Golf with the Rock. Brunch with Kevin Hart. But if you like, had, like dude, who gives a shit? Like most like most people <laughs> If you had golf if you did golf with the rock yesterday, you're protecting that relationship. You don't tell people You're not gonna t- exactly. exactly you're not gonna you don't you're tell not, unless cool. they ask. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you bring it up, it's only gonna be to the right kind of yes. people. And so Yes. So I learned a long yeah, time I ago. I couldn't tell you. I'd be like, bro, I just played golf with the rock. <laughs> and I met a girl. I met a girl a few like a month or two ago, and she was telling me about how she struggled with problems of like everybody at her school was jealous of her because she was super talented. Yeah. Which she is. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I told her this story or not, but in, internally, I'm just thinking about like you have you have to learn somewhere along the lines. If you're struggling with people, if people are being jealous of you, you just have to learn how to. You can relate to anybody. Right. If you're careful and you just don't want to say things that might put somebody down or make them feel bad, right. they didn't have the same yes. experiences. We've all had our own cool experiences, but I learned a long time ago when I was 15. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you that I went to Africa until we know each other well enough. That Before I, they, yes, or I have you to. You don't care about it. You that have much. to it's have like you're not something that just makes me want to open up. I'm just not going to give you this free ass information, okay? <laughs> you got to have like the code. You got to put in the right <laughs> keypad, uh, like the key code to the iPhone. Mm-hmm. You got to put in something right for me, for me to open up to even know that it's cool enough to talk about that with you. And so I get it, you know, but I'm going to tell you, that's more humility. Yeah. That, that That's more humility. Don't brag. Stay we humble. sense it in people. Like if you told me, hey, um, I recorded a artist that is a, a platinum recording artist, and you have the plaque on the wall. That's not bragging. It's to show me your credentials because I am a potential client. So you want to make the most off of this client. So, hey, listen, the reason I'm going to charge you this rate is because I've done da-da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? But the problem I have with that, and now that it's cool if you really have that, but I think in music you find more than anything. On any given record... There's always some guy who did almost nothing, but he was like he was controlling Pro Tools. He did a little bit, but he didn't right. he didn't right. control the sound. Right. But you walk around and it's like I found this in San Diego. Uh, in San Diego, that's where Blink One Eighty Two's from. Right. Everybody had worked with Blink One Eighty Two on some level, but the truth is, is that's a very small amount of people that actually made the difference. That's right. And so you find in music a lot of people talking about their credentials. But like they got coffee, but they represent it like they yes. produced the record. Yes, you know you remind like you don't want to do that. You remind me of my old engineer. His name is Aaron Rappert, and he was from San Francisco. Mm. And he had moved from San Francisco here. But when we when we talked, his personality was just he was just a people person, and it was like you could hear it. It it, it exuded out his ears. It exuded out of everything. And I don't know if it's something about the California area. But you just give off the same vibe that I had with Aaron. And George even said it. He was like, yo, he reminds me of Aaron. And like huh. I said, Aaron is from San he's in he's in St. Louis now, but he was from that San Francisco area. I don't know if you guys are just mm. cool or what or what whatever it is mm. about Cali, but <laughs> people that I know from Cali man, yeah. <laughs> man I, I'm gonna tell you, you know, when I was in California, they told me they was like, Listen, the theme of California in LA is we don't hate on you here. If you have something going, we embrace it. And that's pretty much how that city embraced me. Like, if I would have had a little bit of more money, I would have never left L.A. Because I know I would have made it there. They wanted, like, Jay, what do you have? Like, what do you got next? Mm-hmm. Like, let's see it. I want to see it. Like, Nashville, they're like, ah, right, we don't care. You know? <laughs> guitar? You don't have a guitar? We don't care. Yeah. But in, in L.A., it's a different world, man. Like, Cali is a different world. They love your talent. 
Mm-hmm. And that kind of, like I tell you, man, like my experiences shaped who I am. Every different, every part of the world is different the way that they take music, they take relationships, they take everything. New York, I hate to say it, I'm sorry, New York, but you guys are assholes. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? That's just, that's just how it is. New it's York. Fine. They love it, I think. Yeah, it's like favorite. They want it. New York, are, they're so blatant and they tell you exactly how they feel right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you okay with that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you okay with that, right? You gotta be. Like, this is how I feel. And like, Cali, Cali is, is more like, it's more laid back and they love, and they just love what you got going. And it's like, what you doing? Are you not doing nothing? You bullshitting. Get get something. And that's what really, I don't know, I think it's that California in me that when I was out there, it just made me realize like, yo, I gotta take this shit to another level. Like, they really want, they wanna see something. These people wanna see a show. Give them a show. They want to make make a spectacle of yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's what they want out here. And I and I love it. And you just exude that, man. It's like you remind me of Aaron Rappert so much, man. And Aaron, if you you're probably not watching, but you need to. Yeah. Ryan. Ryan Poole. He watches every episode. Aaron Rappert. Ryan Poole. <laughs> Aaron Rappert. Ryan Poole. Yeah, he's just like you. So <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, We're twins. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm serious, mm. man. Like I, I I love everything that, that that you got. Your energy, man. Like the way you are, and even you meeting you, you're just like him. Like you guys, I'm telling you, man. I look at you guys like you, like you, y'all. I feel like you like my brothers because it's how I talk when I'm with my brothers. Like we get drunk, we get on some henny, and then we just sit around and talk, man. So like, this was definitely what I needed for my soul. Like you guys don't understand that. Even as artists, man. Like this is this is this is fulfilling. Like you're helping me. I feel like I'm telling my story. I've never had a platform to do that before. So I thank you guys for that. Like, Absolutely. like I tell it was you, man. Really interesting hearing it, man. I'm telling you, man. All I need to do, look, we're out. Show, show, yeah. show, show the people, we're out. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. out. The whole bottle podcast. Like, you know what I'm saying? The whole yeah, carafe podcast. We had a guy. Yeah, because we had a guy on the show, Alexander Wren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We and we drinking scotch. Mm. And uh, yeah, he coined that term after drinking the whole thing. It was that was that episode. We don't do this anymore because yeah. it's out of hand. Yeah. But it was five hours. And we were just drink- he wrote like a song on the show. Oh my like God. Like this ha- we were all fun. Yeah, he wrote wrong. a song yes. with like audience participation. Yeah, he like spoke for like. It was fun, but it was like an hour long. He talked about like this theory of SpongeBob for like 40 minutes. It was like wild. But <laughs> we ran out of the bottle, <laughs> so then called- we had beers. Yeah. <laughs> but he coined, yeah, he called us the whole bottle podcast. We've like the held whole on to that. bottle podcast. <laughs> so I did my, I did my did duty, it? baby. The whole job. bottle. You held your weight. The whole bottle. <laughs> and I can tell you, I have much more to go. I'm gonna finish this cup, but I have much more to go. Okay. <laughs> you know? Now you, you were about to say something about Texas, but I cut. Oh, you it was off. kind of yes. apropos of nothing. Yes. It was more of a, a fact because <clears throat> you're talking about animals in Texas, other giraffes, and all uh-huh. this crazy. Brought yeah. all these animals. So I don't know the real numbers, so I'm kind of making up the numbers. Yeah. You can Google it. Yeah. But it's something like tigers. Mm-hmm. There's something like only like 500 tigers alive in the wild. Some small numbers, like crazy small. It is. But there's something like 2,000 tigers in captivity in, in uh, Texas. <laughs> like there's more rich people with tigers as pets in Texas than there are wild tigers in how the does entire that ha- world. How does that happen? Right? Like Who the I, fuck is buying all the tires? You let these wow. release the damn tigers. <laughs> what do you need with a tiger? Like, bro, you're not gonna impress me. I come to a show. And I'm, hey, having a party tonight. I have a tiger. <laughs> I'm not coming. <laughs> what happens is this damn tiger get I'm loose? Definitely go. Like, if I'm you like, tell me you got a tiger, I'm showing up. Like, no, this this tiger is gonna be. You remember like, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, what was what was the movie? 
Did they stole the tiger from Mike Tyson? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, hangover. hangover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them because he, you know, because he actually had those. They were really his that, tiger. We, that was actually Mike Tyson's tigers. And he, wow. he got rid of them. Yeah, you don't remember when you don't remember when Tyson was a was a champion. He went in both. Fuck, he had the he had the tigers when they was Cubs. They knew him. What do you do once you've achieved your dream? He got rid of his tigers and he sent them to a tiger sanctuary in Texas. Oh wow! His tigers are in Texas now. Wow, yeah. I did not know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Gotta send them somewhere they can run free. Well, if I could finish my Texas story, that okay. was I, I told you everything I wanted to tell you for the sake of our thing. Yeah. But just as an interesting aside, years later, uh, about two years ago, I was in Austin for South by Southwest. Yeah. And I was driving back from there to California. And I just so happened to drive right past that. Uh, that old camp I went to. Yes. And uh, as I started getting close, I had to do some Google work, but I was like, wait a minute, I think this is the area. And so I Googled it, and sure enough, it was close. So I kind of I took a detour and went by that camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to revisit that memory because that memory weighed heavy on me for a long time. It kind of shaped me in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so anyway, I got there, and the I went up to the gate. They had a gate. And I yeah. was like, maybe I could drive yeah. up and just see it you know just see the old campground and kind of put that memory to rest you know yeah well anyway i get to the gate and there's like a like an intercom system yeah and i hit the button <laughs> and nobody answered but instead the gate just swung open so i went in so what the intercom opened the gate or something <laughs> yeah i think it was just to open the gate button yeah i didn't even have to do a code yeah. or anything yeah and i just went in the gate and started driving and i drove past this little house where i think people live there yeah and i just kept going and um there was another gate, and I like pressed that button, and that gate opened for me, and I was like, "All right." And so I just went on a little safari in my Ford Focus, <laughs> and right? Drove around, and the crazy—it was the craziest thing. I'm in Texas, and there's African animals like running around me in herds, and um, nothing like it wasn't like uh, like giraffes or anything that nuts. Yeah, but it was like clearly not American like animals and shit. It, yeah, it was like African animals running around wow. me and I just drove around there and it was the coolest experience. It was so surreal. And in that moment, I started remembering all my experiences at camp. Yes. And I started thinking of it now as an adult. And I started realizing like, wait a minute, those kids that were so mean to me that I've like hated all these years. Like, I started thinking about how old a kid is compared to me now as an adult. And I'm like, oh, they were just dumb kids trying to fit in themselves. And they, they were making fun of me so yeah. that they could fit in. And because they were probably, they were kids at a camp too. And they were just trying <laughs> See, to find a way. I wanted to ask you about that. What mm. what races were the kids? Were these white they kids? Were all or white were they white kids. Oh, so you went to South Africa and had camp with all white kids. Oh, no, no, no. I went to South Africa with my grandparents. And that was... Well, it's like my white family with a white hunting guide, and then everybody else is black. Okay, but when yes. I went to Texas, I was I was talking was about the kid, kids. the ones that was teasing you. The, Those are all white kids. Okay, 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 yeah, okay. The meanest of the kids. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> it was all white kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, anyway. So when I went back to that camp and was driving around as an adult, I started realizing, oh wait, these were kids. How old's a how old's a 16 year old at that time? Being two years older than me, I'm thinking. Yeah. They're older, mature kids. Like yeah. They're going to, yeah. you know, they're being mean to me, but they're supposed to be not, you know. But anyway, but now I'm like, oh, a 16-year-old's so young and dumb. He don't get they it. They themselves he are insecure and trying to That's fit right. in a camp. So they're making fun of the person. trying to figure out who he feel, is at 16. Like Exactly. But as when you're when you're younger than them. And you, don't, you, don't, there, you don't you don't see it. Like, you, yeah, you, you definitely don't see it. You think that they're so old and mature and all yes. that stuff. 
But now as an adult, I'm like, oh, they're just dumb kids too. And so I had this like healing moment driving around the Texas African safari yeah. and kind of <laughs> reflecting on these experiences and realizing, oh, it was just kids that were being mean to me. Yes. Kids, kids would yes. do all sorts of dumb shit. Yes. And I drove out of that camp and, and was like, heal i'm just like, it's like i'm like oh man i'm better I'm good now exactly, <laughs> you know exactly. what i'm saying like i've been living with this shit for years i came here for 20 minutes riding around and i'm better right you know? those kids don't remember it <laughs> they, exactly they, do, they probably remember me they probably think of me as like some rich kid who went to africa like oh fuck that guy who thinks he's so great that wasn't what i or, was feeling and that's what or it was. they could have been like he was really cool and we gave him the shits for no reason <laughs> maybe maybe or they don't think of you at all Probably not. You know what? They think of you because I'm going to tell you, a trip to Africa is just something that it changes your life. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of time, teasing is respect. See, one thing that you learn in the, in the black community, mm. we you get teased because you're respected on some level. I got teased my whole life because I was smarter. I, I wasn't able to use slang words. My, my mom didn't accept that. So mm. the slang words like "What's up, little buddy?" and stuff like I learned that when I got older. I actually like you see I'm tat I'm tatted up. I didn't show my mom I had tattoos till I was 24. <laughs> I had tattoos at 18, <laughs> but the way that I was raised, tattoos wasn't acceptable. So sometimes teasing is respect, and I can tell you that from the black community because everybody I got teased about my lips. Once I got hit puberty and I was grown, girls only liked me because I had big lips. So teasing is a form of respect. Hmm. So and and just kids, you don't you don't you don't you don't see it that way. It's horrible, and <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. realize teasing kids. They want to kill their damn self, but once they get older and they realize what it was, it's like yo, they only tease me because they like me. Mm-hmm. Like girls only do that. A girl is not gonna take her time to come tease you about your hair or anything like that. She likes you, but you're too young to actually understand. Kind of like yeah, you're yeah. too young to understand what that. That's, that's respect. If if they want if they take time out of their day to tease Ryan about being on this safari trip, you know they respect you for what you did, but you won't fathom it until you get thirty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you definitely won't fathom it until thirty. It's exactly thirty because your twenties, you're too young to still understand it. But thirty is like ah, it's like a it's like this ray of light comes through the cloud and it's a Jesus moment. It's like ah, yeah. it's like an ah moment. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I definitely get it. But you were viewed as something that was bigger than what. The norm was. It's just, as a child, how do you how, how do you say that? As a child? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. How, as a child, how yeah. do you tell Ryan that you're viewed as bigger than what the norm is? We tease you. Yeah. Hey, you're fucking lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, don't be mean to me. But that, that, that's really saying, yo, you're like a god of us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you, But we have to understand that. Because I'm telling you, teasing, I was like, yo, I'm not, I'm not showing my face again. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, nah, let me let me let me show you what this is. Like kids only tease. We only tease people that that we think are better than us. Mm-hmm. And we tease them because you have a characteristic that I don't have. So since you have this characteristic, I'll make fun of it and we'll make it uncool. But it's really not. It's the coolest. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. the coolest. It's the coolest. So the older I got, I realized like I was way cooler than a lot of my friends. I just never felt that way because they teased me for being cooler than them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you can't you can't understand it as a child. 
But you get older as an adult and you look back and you reflect and you're like, damn, I was cooler than those guys. <laughs> I was way cooler. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's all that was. I can I can promise you that, man. Like they just they 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 envied you. Man, uh, I probably it's yeah, probably a big aspect of jealousy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? But uh we have a question. We do. Yeah, yeah. We gotta start wrapping up, but we have a question that we ask every guest. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna not do this as much because I think it stilts the answer. Sure. Yeah. It gets people distracted. But uh, but it's good for the drama. <laughs> Most important question of, of the whole whole show. Now here's the thing. If you had to choose. And you do. And okay. you do. I got you. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> now, well, now you got you to know. You got to know. Okay. The answer to this question can't come from here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It has to come from here. It has to come from here. And now, what that looks like in practice is instant answer. Okay. Oh, sorry, real quick. It. You don't want me to for think po- of you? Okay. For anybody listening to this podcast, he pointed to his head, and then he pointed to his heart. <laughs> and it's got to come from the heart, not the head. It's got to yes. come from the heart, not okay. the head. Heart. Because everyone has an answer. Right. But they don't always know they have an answer. Okay. Okay, so I need an instant. Okay. No delay. Yes, sir. That's the hardest part for most people. I know, right? Yeah. So if you had to choose. And you do. And you do. And you do. (laughs) What would you say? Dun, 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 dun. Is your favorite kind of turtle? Snapping turtle. Damn it! So many people say snapping. Snapping turtle. That is the only turtle I respect. <laughs> if you get too close to a snapping turtle, it's going to let you know it's going to bite your ass. Okay? Mm-hmm. I respect anybody that can tell you, like, you're too fucking close to me. <laughs> like, this is my personal space here. If you invade certain areas, a certain radius, I'm going to attack you. Snapping Turtle, I used to watch on National Geographic, the Galapagos Islands. Snapping Turtle, you my guy. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, like we could, it's a wrap. You could drop the mic on that one. Galapagos Snap Islands, Snapping Turtle. They was not the shit. They was not to be played with. I'm telling you. Like, straight up. Now, that All was right. a good answer because you had a good explanation. Yeah, some people just, some but people I will, just don't know that. But I will say this. I'm going to say this. We get snapping most common of all things. Now snapping in the box. But that was a good explanation. But check this out. So I've been I've been starting to theorize like why okay. we, we didn't always get snapping, but recently it's always snapping. And I've been coming up with we've been coming up with some theories right. about why. Like why is that? One of it's like it's one of the most known. But another right, it's one, a ridiculous question. That's the whole point. It's just but, ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but another one is I started doing this Jaws theme right before, and I'm like, maybe that gets people in this headspace. Jaws, bites up, snaps you, you know. Interesting. I think I just came up with the greatest theory of all, and we're going to test this on the next episode. Here's what I realized. When you were explaining the question to him, you were explaining it, and you're like, it has to come this quick. What did you do? You snapped in his face. You snapped. You snapped. But then I was, like, waiting for it. I'm like, I wonder if he snaps right before he asked the questions. Mm. And sure enough, you did. Really? You were like... I didn't even notice. And you're like, what is your favorite, favorite turtle? turtle. And, and then you snap. And snapped. it's like, subconsciously, uh, I just instantly go to snapping yeah, turtle. I'll, I'll you snapped at him right you know as you asked him his turtle. It's the Jaws turtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Jaws turtle. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, you had a great, uh, you had a great explanation. That yeah, that, man. That makes it all work. Yeah, man. Yeah, you're like, right. When we first started the show, we got all sorts of weird answers. <laughs> we got Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah, we got a... Some kind of like rainbow shell. I mean, I'm gonna actually tell you, 
People are not familiar with the forms of turtle. No, no, I only is. know snapping and regular. Well, the whole idea. I would have liked the regular kind. Regular turtle. Like, so, <laughs> so I came up. He's not trying to play like, something years, different. <laughs> years before we ever did this show, I had like a job interview. Yeah. And it was boring. Yeah. I asked all the same normal questions. And after I left, I was like, man, if I get a chance to interview people. I'm gonna ask a ridiculous question. A ridiculous. I want to see if they can think on their feet. Come yes. up with an answer right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm thinking, like I'm scanning, yeah. like I have a lot to pull from, but it's like, wait, turtles? Yeah, it's only like, snapping. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we always like to go out on one of your songs. What do you want to play? We'll play off like a uh, play slide. Play slide. What do you want to do? Please you play know, slide. There is such a thing as a slider turtle. Yes, there's a <laughs> slider turtle. Slider turtle. Well, hold on, before before you mute us, uh-huh. you can go get things set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let people know again where they can find you. Hey, like I said once again. On Instagram, hit me up, primate number one. So it's P-R-I-M-A-T-E number one. Also, my fan page on, on Facebook is Lil J Bone. So if you go to Facebook.com backslash Lil J Bone, you can hit me up there. And on um, Twitter, I'm Primate One. So it's pretty much Primate One everything. Um, YouTube is J Bone, J-B-O-N-E 615. So you can check out my YouTube page, um, J Bone 615. And um, just pretty much Lil J Bone is where all of my music is at on any streaming platform that you have. Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Apple Music, just Lil, L-I-L, J-B-O-N-E. And please show me some love. I'm telling you, we got some really, really, really good music. And I'm trying to get it out here to you guys. I'm just trying to keep you guys happy, everything like that. So, um, yeah. Lil J Bone. Google me. I'm out there. I love y'all. We're going to keep it coming. Hopefully, y'all get invited back. I love these guys. I'm out of liquor. I wish I had more. I'm sorry. I need more liquor. I'm not drunk enough. But <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? So we're there. Thank you guys for having me. Lil J Bone. Get at me, people. I love being a part of this. You know what I'm saying? Empty bottle podcast, baby. We emptied the bottle. I did my part. So I feel like, you know what I'm saying? I definitely held my own here today. Yeah, Let's go. Thanks, everyone, for being out, as always. Make sure to follow Sneaker Head on all the things. You guys are awesome, and we'll see you guys again next time. I'ma hit your line, pick up the phone. I'll be waiting outside, don't be taking too long. She just wanna ride, hop in, we gone. She just wanna slide, she don't wanna go home. I know you wanna slide. Slide, slide, slide. I know you on the slide. Slide, slide, I know you on the slide. Slide, slide, slide. I know you on the slide. Slide, slide, slide. Hit your line. I just got off the freeway. Hit the back roads. Gotta take the streetway. No feet, run the city like a relay No sleep, feel like I've been up for three days She slide with me cause I never been a cheapskate She got good taste, this won't be a cheap date Yeah, she love to party like she wanna sweepstakes Looking at me with that, she just want for D-Face Listening to me on repeat, go DJ I leveled up, soon tied with a briefcase I make my makeup vibrate from the deep bass Flying in my spaceship, we had to deep I'ma hit your line, pick up the phone I'll be waiting outside, don't be taking too long She just wanna ride, hop in, we gone She just wanna slide, she don't wanna go home I know you wanna slide, slide, slide I know you wanna slide, slide, slide I know you wanna slide, slide, 
Now we speeding, landmarks, check it out, we sightseeing Too much drip, feel like I could go skiing Slip bones, got me looking European Red bone, she look black and Caribbean Just be ready, I'ma let you know when we leaving I'ma slide by later on this evening I'ma hit your line, pick up the phone I'll be waiting outside, don't be taking too long She just wanna ride, hop in, we gone She just wanna slide, she don't wanna go home I know you wanna slide Slide, slide. I know you wanna slide, slide, slide. I know you wanna slide, slide, slide. I know you wanna slide, slide, slide.